back tabs and a six pack. It's Christmas morning. Thanks for joining us. We realized we were going a little long on Wednesday when we didn't have enough time to give these last two movies they love the love they deserve. So we're gonna do that now. I'm joined again by Wallaween, John Sanders. John. Yes. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Okay, so uh, you brought up right before we started. We missed the best part of frogs. We forgot to talk about it, so let's oh, do that yeah. real quick. Yeah, uh, uh, scene. Okay, um, let's see what happens. But okay, so one of the one of the men from the the mansion. They're out. They're trying to escape, right? In this scene, or were they just going out on the boat? I don't know. So the the guy gets gets attacked by snakes while he's yeah. he's yeah, yeah. trying to swim to a boat, and then he he. I guess he just kind of sinks, he drowns or something. Snakes His are the most dangerous comes... type of frog. Yes. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> His wife comes calling after him. She she like runs into into like the shallow part of the the river, or the lake, uh, and and she gets her foot stuck in the mud, and then a uh, a snapping turtle is slowly coming toward her, and she's just screaming, trying to pull her leg free. No, 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 what, what happened? Yeah, she's she's screaming after him while trying to pull her leg free. She doesn't notice the snapping turtle yet. And then when the snapping, you know, when she does, like, turn and see, she sees the snapping turtle, she jumps back, like, her both her legs free. But then she resumes trying to pull her leg free. Oh! And then gets a pair of... Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it, she, she was, could that be chalked up to just bad editing or what, how, how did that work? It's been a minute since. Well, bad, bad editing and bad acting, unless the, <laughs> unless the, unless the context of the scene were changed in the editing, because she, you know, she, 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 yeah, she, she yells when she sees the, the, uh, snapping turtle jumps back and yeah, <laughs> completely free from her leg being stuck. And, and then her leg is still the same leg. Is she's back still to going to stuck again once the camera cuts. Yeah, so it yeah. could you know you could you could say that she got her she, uh, you know, being uh, startled by the, the the turtle was the motivation she needed to get her leg unstuck, but then it just got stuck again. Yeah, or dude. you know, I think more likely it's just it's just you know, <laughs> a bad bad performance and bad editing combined. That was like the biggest. Well, there like there was a couple problems with the first Matrix movie, but the most egregious one was when he's going to meet the Oracle, and she has all those cookies. And while Neo is talking to the Oracle, when the camera shows him talking, his hands he has his hands together in front of him. But then when the oh. camera shows her talking, it shows Neo with his hands behind his yeah. back. And then every time the camera cuts, it's like his hands are in front of him. And then when the camera cuts yeah. to show her talking, his hands are behind, him. <laughs> back and forth. Yeah, like that. That is the kind of thing you've seen, like, even the best of movies. I mean, like, right. like in some cases, um, oh yeah, I, I like, I, I, one, one of the things I meant to talk about, because, you know, The Man Who Would Be King is one of my favorite movies, but, you know, it's, it's not perfect. Uh, oh yeah. Like, the, the, the continuity on the arrow, when, uh, when Sean Connery gets the arrow stuck in his bandolier, uh, in the, in the wide shots, uh, there's no arrow. In the close-up shots, there's an arrow, For, and I have no oh, clue how they missed that. this. Like, how did they, how did they not have an arrow in him for the wide shots? Like, that was the whole reason for the scene, for the you know everyone bowing to him in yeah. that scene. And then there, uh, 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 an even stranger 
part, which is like this is more like a, even in, you know these are both nitpicks, but like, but this one is weirder. Uh, when uh, okay, so Uta is about to execute a prisoner, and Sean Connery wants to stop him, and he's carrying the the uh, the arrow in his hand as you know, um, just sort of as a trophy, and uh, and Uta threatens Sean Connery with with his sword, saying you know the sword has to. Has to, once it's withdrawn, it must taste blood, and then Sean Connery whacks him in the knuckle with the with yeah. his arrow. But the, but in that shot, the arrow, like it's very clear, the arrow breaks on his hand, and then and then in the next shot, uh, he's sort of like wagging the the unbroken arrow at Utah's face, like like you don't don't do that again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's just more proof that he's a god. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. He can rebuild arrows with the power of magic yeah um well anything else before we dive into uh robin hood uh no i think i think uh we're ready to move on <laughs> robin hood i went into this movie with very low expectations because i hadn't seen it before i'd seen like the dvd cover probably i think because it was like and i, I yeah. remember just thinking kevin costner as robin hood i don't know about it and that yeah. was about as far yeah. as it went. I, I so I went in with really low expectations. I won't give a rating on it yet, but I I thoroughly enjoyed this way more than I expected to enjoy this movie. Yeah, uh, and this is a movie that I'd seen like most of as a kid. I don't like I remember like bits of it, but it never really made that big of an impression on me. Uh, when as a kid, except like uh, I think the thing I re remembered most was the villain and some of those uh, comedy scenes with the villain. Uh, are those are the things that I remember most, and I I could see why because they're the the best part of the movie. But uh, I mean we'll get there. Yeah. It, um. Start. Uh. Right off the bat, it took me a second to realize that that was Morgan Freeman because I wasn't doing his typical Morgan Freeman voice. It was like yeah, it's like hey, that's Morgan Freeman. <laughs> yeah, he's sort of. He's sort of doing the uh, Middle Eastern, or uh, he's supposed to be Moorish, and they were uh, mostly African, I think. I don't. It's 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 hard. To, I, I can't remember the like the one of the uh, characters is saying that uh, you know all this trouble is because of uh, you know the, those those um, those Moors, and so I I don't I don't know uh, you know much of the historical con context in terms of. Uh, were the Moors involved in in? Uh, I, I mean, I I'm sure they were in uh, the Third Crusade, which was currently going on in the context of the movie. They referenced the Crusades uh, in the movie once or twice. Yeah, the Robin Hood is it was a prisoner, and he's just coming back from uh, fighting in the Crusades. Uh, and I think we'll get to later how how the movie contextualizes the Crusades. Um, Anyway, yeah, the the movie starts out it, it it starts out with a score that's very familiar. It's uh really good. Uh, you you hear it in all of these different like uh, promotional materials because I guess they licensed it out licensed it out after the fact. Uh, like Disney used it for like one of their like Blu-ray uh or DVD openers where they just show like clips from all their movies and and. Uh, like edited together and say, oh, this is the Disney experience, but then this song didn't even come from a Disney movie, it seems. Who who did this movie? Was it Warner uh, Brothers? I don't remember. 
Oh, uh, the studio. Let's see. I really did. Scores by. Sorry, go ahead. Scores by Michael Common, who I'm I'm actually not familiar with. Yeah, I don't know who that is. um, The score wasn't bad though. I had I was really, although I enjoyed the movie, I was I was, I still, and maybe it's just because maybe it's just a bias I have with Kevin Costner, but I just I still couldn't like believe that he was Robin Hood. I was it just didn't seem like. Oh yeah, like his his, yeah, well, we, his accent was a little weird and yeah, uh, and and they they addressed this in the commentary for I, I just a couple of days ago I watched the the uh, extended cut which has a commentary and I just sort of skipped straight to the commentary version. Uh, although the the um, just the side note about the Blu-ray it only includes the extended cut. The s- streaming only you can only seem to find the theatrical cut on streaming, but then the yeah, Blu-ray I, I, I only has the, the theatrical release. I didn't. And I only watched yeah. it one time, uh, and I couldn't pull any. I didn't get a way to pull any clips from this one, so. Okay. Yeah. Uh. Wait. Uh. But you do have the clips that I gave you, right? Yeah, I got yours. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um. Let's see. I feel like it's Warner Brothers. Oh, just if I had to guess, but I don't remember. Uh, I guess it really doesn't matter that much. Warner Brothers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so like, sort of seen as Disney's competitor. I mean, uh, anyway, um, yeah. So the, it was directed by Kevin Reynolds, who did Waterworld after this, <laughs> which I almost what? wanted to pick Wild Waterworld as like one of my movies because that movie's so ridiculous. Yeah, the, uh, the just just like an example of the ridiculousness of Waterworld. It starts out with the main character like peeing into this like this like water purifier thing and then drinking it just to show like how sort of he's he's uh you know it's it's a it's a rough f- world futuristic uh post apocalyptic world uh just sort of uh showing the sort of the dirtiness of it and it, it was sort of played for comedy and and stuff but it it's it kind of it doesn't make any sense once once you get to the part where you find out this main character has gills and and like can Apparently, you know, he, he, it seem he seems to be a saltwater fish man kind of thing. Yeah. So like, why? And he's surrounded by water at yeah, all times. So yeah, that movie had a lot of plot holes for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Rock. So uh, <laughs> I love. I just the, love the concept. Is it's just like. Oh who, yeah, who the title. The, <laughs> yeah. Just the title, because it, it you know it's a take on it's like it's like inspired clearly inspired by Mad Max, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, but it's, it's all water, water instead world. of sand. Yeah, it's water. Like Water World sounds like a theme park. That's <laughs> exactly it does. Yeah, yeah. Like Dol- so, uh, uh, Dollywood yeah. Splash Country. Yeah, in the Splash Country ex- Water World. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, definitely. Um, the uh, c- director, the, the commentary with the director and Costner, Costner um, mentioned that he wanted to do an English accent. It was the director's decision to to have Costner do. An American accent, and this is, this okay. So what what they say in the commentary is that it's for the commerciality of it, which is weird because it's this one of the main things when people are making fun of this movie, they say they say well, Costner isn't doing an Eng- English accent, um, but uh, what if the director heard uh, Costner's 
yeah. attempt at English accent and decided, and no, cheesy. he's, he's going to do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's yeah. sort of uh, a, a fan theory of mine. Although I haven't, I haven't heard any, any, I don't know if there's any movies where he's done an English accent. So I, I don't have anything to compare it, compare it to. Costner's um, a good actor, but th I just felt like this was not a role that he should be playing. Well, yeah, he does come off as like trying to act younger than he is. Yeah. And and you know to having having him at the beginning and he's about to get, have his hand chopped off uh, by the by uh, the Muslims uh, he and he's, he says uh, this is English courage and it, it it just like the movie feel the movie feels so American because of Kevin Costner like it, it yeah, just sort of when did this come out because uh, Alan Rickman seems pretty young in it too yeah uh, 1991 and Alan oh, Rickman okay. yeah so, and so he was this is the he same was Hans Gruber came out Kevin Costner yeah. was the leading guy oh yeah. Yeah, so uh, this was two years after Die Hard, which was uh, Alan Rickman's first movie role, I think. And he first was big one, or Alan just his Rickman first was one like in general. 40. Uh, it was like just as I think it it uh, I think it it was just his first movie. So he was uh, or, probably or like a, first, a stage, a theater actor before that, or something. Yeah, yeah, I think he was a theater actor, and then that yeah, makes sense. so he was cast as as the villain in in Die Hard in 1989. Uh, yeah, so. Robin Hood was 1991, which is very interesting, uh, but I'll, we'll get to that. Um, Wait, don't you can't okay, leave so, me oh, yeah, like I'll, that. Why is it interesting that it was 1991? Oh, because of all the uh, like, you know, the you know how people look back on the 80s with with like such reverence, you know, they didn't care about political correctness, stuff like that. Yeah. And then Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, is a very it's actually a very politically correct movie. Like it, it sort of it feels like it starts a lot of the the uh trend the sort of those things that movies just have to do now to to be politically correct. And it's like but it's uh, it feels like quaint. If it, it kind of feels okay, like uh so you set up a, a character that's a damsel in this you know, destined basically to be a damsel in distress, Maid Marian. But so to start oh, out she yeah, has to you. like she's in, she's like dressed in a in a weird looking suit of armor and like trying to kill Robin Hood. And it it, it, it is it is uh very like it, like it, it might not be political correctness, it could just be the you know, the general trope of, of uh romantic subplots where they have to hate each other at the beginning. Can we talk about that for a second? Because I didn't really understand like if she's like all in love with Robin Hood and stuff, why was she trying to kill him? Like she obviously knew it was him. Well, uh, it, the story, the plot is that that uh, they knew each other as kids, and, but Robin Hood was a very different person when he was very young. He was he was like sort Dick. of spoiled, and and yeah. uh, he was yeah he yeah that in this this sort of plays into his subplot with uh, um, Will Scarlet later on. Okay. Uh, but so uh. Let's see. Oh yeah, uh, when Robin, Robin Hood and Azim, Morgan Freeman's character, escape from uh, a prison and they arrive in in England, and just a little fun fact, they pass Hadrian's Wall, which is actually in the northern part of England, but they should be arriving like it would make more sense if they're arriving in the southern part of England. So it's like they to get to Nottingham, which is like more toward the center, they pass through they go they arrive at the southern part they pass through the upper part and then end up in the middle part of <laughs> yeah <laughs> but then again uh hadrian's wall would have probably been more built up at that time and so it could be that it is just meant to represent you know an even older wall i don't know yeah that's true yeah uh, they had some really cool okay. castles i know there's i've never been to europe oh yeah yeah some like really uh, cool castles in that movie 
the main Nottingham Castle, it's like it feels really big. And like yeah. you see castles and like like I mean like the castles in in uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail just look small somehow like compared to the ones in this movie. Yeah. And it could just be Hollywood trickery, you know. But um, like it likely is. Yeah. Um I mean there there it was no Lord of the Ring type castles. Yeah. But that's because I'm assuming in Robin Hood they were real castles. Or at least for the most yeah, part. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. They, I mean, yeah. There, I think there were parts where where they go to interiors and it's just sets, like the like a scene later late in the movie where where he goes into this extremely long hallway, but you can see the cutoff point where there's they've just put a a painting of they, they do the forced perspective thing to make you think the the hallway is just going infinitely, mm -hmm. but it's just a painting and you can see the like sort of the cutoff the the part with at the ground where there's a line between the the real right. floor and yeah, the painting. Yeah, that's a classic. Uh, lost like lost in space was doing that all the time in the in the uh the, the old 60s show early 60s it'd be like a the whole like planet most of the planet and like the infinite seeming sets are like out in space you see the background and yeah. it's it's almost always just a painted wall yeah so uh another weird thing uh in the commentary uh they said they mentioned that at the time of this movie they were actually competing like robin hood scripts going around like with different studios and kevin costner turned down a, a different a completely different robin hood movie that was going to be that was meant to be directed by john mctiernan the director of die hard so it's funny that you know alan rickman ends up in in uh this movie yeah <laughs> and and yeah and that movie of course never happened uh it seems uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights was released right. in a couple of years, a couple of like I think two years after this. And I don't know if it was it was done in response to this or if it was like Mel Brooks saw that there was a few different Robin Hood movies in production, so he's like, I have to do my own parody version. Right. When did that uh, Mel Brooks one come out? Uh, I think it was like 1993 or. In... Huh. I was thinking it was earlier than that, but I haven't seen it in so long. I have no idea. Um. Yeah. There's. It would have been funny if Bruce Willis played Robin Hood. Yeah, 1993. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, you know, he's just your average Joe Robin Hood. Um, okay, so where does that... So they so Morgan Freeman and uh, Kevin Costner arrive in London, and they find that kid in the tree, right? Yeah. And Morgan Freeman and has to pray... And leaves Robin Hood to fight six guys by himself, and Robin Hood kicks their asses. But yeah. then he lets the guy live, and if he wouldn't have let that guy live, then most of his then problems in this movie would not have happened if he would have just killed that guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, but we wouldn't have had one of the best scenes later on. Uh, well, we'll get there. Um and yeah, that that one villain, I think I, I'm not sure where I've seen him before. Was he the villain in the crow? You talking about the sheriff's cousin? Yeah, uh, he has like he has like a very naturally gravelly voice, but he still sounds like he's putting on like a a a, a voice, or maybe yeah. It, well, it's, it's no, it it's sounds no like Alex a, Jones a guy who's a gravelly. Like I didn't notice yeah. too much gravel. Like I don't know, but he, but he's he he's doing he's putting on a very like cheesy villainous voice. I think. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So uh, Robin and Azim, uh, they go to uh, Robin's. Uh, home which is burned down his uh, his father's castle his father was played by uh i i forgot the name of the actor but he was like a 
I've seen him in like a couple of comedic roles in season one of Black Adder, uh, and uh, he was also, I think, I think he was in uh, Flash Gordon as like the, a guy with wings. Uh, yeah. I haven't seen. Have you Flash seen it? in so okay. long? Flash. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, what I actually understand is when they they trick him into coming outside of the castle and he's surrounded by all the guys the sheriff of Nottingham yeah. and all the yeah, guys yeah it doesn't mask. make any sense why didn't he just go back inside the castle yeah yeah <laughs> like, just go back inside your castle and plus castles are usually staffed with at least you know uh, 10 to 20 or 30 guards yeah like, yeah that, 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 should that, have. I was like why didn't yeah it's like he just go back inside the castle but no he like charges out by yeah. himself yeah like which which implies like Maybe he was already in some kind of desperate situation beforehand, but the movie doesn't really communicate what's going on very well. Right. At that scene, it could ju it could just be just a really poorly written thing. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, let's see. And then okay, uh, so Robin Hood is is uh, he goes to his father's grave and he 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 says that his his father did not approve of him going out uh, to fight in the Crusades. His father didn't agree with with. Uh, England forcing its religion on others, which is weird because that's not what the Crusades were about, at least as far as I can gather. Wasn't uh, it about like getting a bunch of treasure and stuff? Well, uh, what like the thing? I guess the thing that uh, a lot of people like to leave out of the conversation is that the um, uh, England was being invaded. It was like sort of intermittently being invaded for the last couple, a few hundred years, uh, by um, Muslim invaders. Right, and so they they go out to like okay we need to this Sounds is like too much day. we're gonna go out and, and and stop this and then and then uh, yeah and then the crusades happen they take Jerusalem yeah uh, you can see like a lot of the context of of what's going on with this time in in the movie uh, Kingdom of Heaven but I don't really recommend Kingdom of Heaven as like a great sort of adventure epic because the main character is like just the biggest Mary Sue in existence in, in like movie history possibly <laughs> other than like other than like Ray from uh, the new like they took a real historical figure and just made him into generic like uh, you know every man who can who can do everything and everyone likes him like uh, and, and also he's like he's he goes to the, mid, the Middle East and is teaching the people who've been fighting there for so long how to fight their war like it, it yeah. just doesn't make any sense yeah uh, Orlando Bloom's character, uh, the Baron of Ibelin. I haven't seen that movie, yeah. but... And, oh yeah, King Richard shows up at the end of that movie, which is, like, I'll bring up uh, Ridley Scott's uh, Kingdom of Heaven as well as his uh, Robin Hood movie, because both of them have King Richard in them, as well as this movie. Wait, who was in Ridley Scott's Robin Hood movie? Uh, I don't remember Russell that. Crow. Russell, Russell Crowe, a, a sort Wait, of okay, chubby yeah. middle-aged Russell Crowe plays Robin Hood. Yeah, and... and uh, Ridley Scott definitely ripped off this movie's version of uh, of uh, Friar Tuck a little bit. I really liked Friar Tuck in this movie too. Yeah, although he's possibly the most over the top actor in the movie, but he it does kind of work. It works, and yeah, it, it's I liked it, and that that was probably my favorite part of the movie is when they're yeah. they're uh, doing all those heists, basically, uh, like when they're. They have all these creative ways of uh, tricking the sheriff's men and robbing people yeah. on the road. I oh, thought yeah. that like, was really good. Although, so there's the no quirk... way in hell Friar Tuck could have pulled that whole wagon by himself when they make him like pull the wagon instead of the horses. 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, the, the big quirk with with Friar Tuck is that in this movie is that he's a drunk. Mm-hmm. And in uh in in Ridley Scott's Robin Hood, so it's like they must have seen this and thought, well, we can't just go back to having normal, boring uh, f- priest, man, pro- friar guy preaching to people. So they have to make him a, a drunk. But it's like, well, we can't just make him a drunk because the, the Southern movie did that. So, no, this time he, he like keeps bees to make mead and then he gets drunk or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen the Ridley uh, Scott one. It, it's, no, it's more it's recent, really, right? It, uh, it's uh, it was like two thousand nine ish or two thousand eight yeah. or something. And so almost it's twenty bad. years after after the Prince of Thieves. Yeah, the, it, that movie. I I can't remember if the Sheriff of Nottingham is even a character in that movie. It has like this movie. Th- this um, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, leaves out Prince John from who is like you know classically a villain in this legend, uh, but. The Ridley Scott movie has Prince. Um, it's Oscar Isaac as Prince John. This is Oscar Isaac before he's like he he's like really famous. Uh, and he's good in that movie. Like he's one of the more he sort of adds some levity. He's sort of a funny villain, but like nowhere near to the extent of n- nowhere near as good as Alan Rickman in, in this movie. Uh, I really yeah, I liked Alan Rickman a lot. It's like if I really yeah. did, I thought everybody did a pretty decent job. Other, I mean, Kevin yeah. Costner didn't do a bad job. He just, it was just like, why is Kevin Costner Robin Hood? Like I already said, the rest of the cast yeah. I thought was well, very well cast. Yeah. So the so Robin Hood goes to. Uh, oh yeah, uh, there was this thing earlier on where uh, Mary, Maid Marian's brother asks Robin Hood uh, his dying wishes that Robin Hood protects his sister, Maid Marian. So Robin goes to Maid Marian's uh, castle and. Uh, and he, this other lady is this other lady serves as a decoy, uh, pretending to be Maid Marian, while Maid Mary, the real Maid Marian, sneaks up on Robin Hood in a, a suit of armor and with a knife and like uh, attacks Robin Hood. Uh, and then the scene ends with yeah. with with like he he eventually overpowers her, but then she kicks him in the in the nuts as as uh, is is wont to happen. In this that's, kind of film, that's what I was gonna say too. I, for, I forgot the, the amount of I should have counted how many nut shots there are in this movie because there are a lot. Yeah, there's oh, at yeah. least five. Yeah, see that like like the thing about like the the romance in this movie and the sort of the, the politically correct angle. Like they have to make uh, the female character sort of the damsel in distress. So they can't just be dam- like love interest and damsel in distress. They have to also be uh, part of the action in some way. Uh, but they still they they still end up fulfilling that that role of damsel in distress. It it it's weird because it it kind of it's kind of a thing where they're they're trying to a- appeal to more people, but they end up sort of diluting sort of the like because uh, I don't want to jump know, the too far ahead. But that, what what happened to her fighting skills near the end of the movie? You know, all yeah, of a sudden exactly, she just exactly. doesn't know how to do anything. Yeah, and and so it's it, it's like a they have to sort of. A, do these it's like two separate tropes that they're that they're doing that they have to do uh just for the movie to work but then it it, it yeah it, it's i think uh it says a lot like because i think the uh the trope thing says a lot about like uh i mean they so they do like characters like ray skywalker ray not skywalker ray plot in the new uh star wars movies and and uh her character is entirely just these sort of uh feminist tropes of like or or uh, you know the 
the character is already power, all powerful. Uh, they just they just need sort of some external thing to to uh, engage them in that way, and and they don't really need training. They don't need anyone to teach them. If anyone tries to teach them anything, they end up being the ones to teach that person something. I don't right. know. It's it's like I think I think those like uh, I think those like sort of uh sort of changing things to be more modern and more like uh politically of the time. I think this movie started a lot, uh, it may have started or at least intensified a lot of the trends but it like it still feels very quaint and like it you you don't really hold it against the movie because things have gotten so much worse in movies now it's like I don't know it's 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 hard to blame this movie cuz it, it's like they didn't know what where it was going to go yeah <laughs> like and how bad it they couldn't have possibly known um let's see so oh yeah uh, after that scene uh uh the the uh share the, the so the the men that uh that uh robin hood beat earlier uh they're coming back uh and they're they're riding towards Marin's house azim produces this he he has this like telescope this is before like optical lenses ever existed like a hundred years before that and and gives it this is uh another sort of trope of 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 sort of it's it's a revisionist history thing where where uh uh the um middle easterners need to be way more scientifically advanced than uh than uh, medieval europe oh like the birth like when they yeah yeah which is like you know they always say well it's because uh, they you know they had access to the library of alexandria or like the 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 um stuff stuff you know um i so I I, i'm not from my understanding is there was a time when the middle east was like the most advanced place like ahead in science and medicine and all well, that it's like yeah from what i hear it's it's like uh they they had some mathematical concepts and and a few things that that uh europe wasn't uh taking advantage of but yeah the the whole idea of of i mean i think there there's a a sort of separate idea that that uh medieval europe had like it was completely absent of any sort of scientific thought or progression which is one of the biggest like you know the dark falsehoods of, of the yeah. Uh, yeah yeah uh let's see yeah so robin hood takes the the uh telescope and he's like looking through it at the uh, the men who are riding towards him and then he sort of sticks out his sword to try to see if he can stab them like like you know if they look closer do, do, are, are they getting closer when i when i put this thing to my eye and so he tries poking at them with the sword and then azim ridicules him for you know being uh uneducated like how did your un 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 uneducated kind ever take jerusalem yes yeah i didn't understand that so he was thinking he if they, since they were so close he could stab them yeah, it was. I think that was sort of the the, oh my the God. point of the comedic <laughs> bit. Like, like, yeah, like, I, or I or did he think his? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was like he, one he of those just thought it, they got really close works, all of a sudden man. when he looked through. Is it what it's. But yeah, it's yeah, pretty ridiculous. Yeah, it was. It was like you know, like definitely one of the more cartoonish uh, jokes of the movie. You know, it, I I kind of chuckle at it a little bit. So I mean, uh, let's yeah. see. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. Okay. So they go to the woods, uh, 
and they're they're look what are they looking for when they go into the woods i totally forget but they they come across uh the merry men uh robin hood trips on on a rope that just happens to be that they have they pull taut as he crosses this river christian slater comes out and sings a little a little rhyme he sing he yeah he's he sings uh, a little song to ridicule robin hood but the tune he's using is one that that i looked it up and it looks like that tune wasn't written until like the 1800s <laughs> yeah that so sounds like about that's right. which would be like you know uh 900 no i'm sorry 700 years before or after this after when this is meant to take place so uh well you can't see. win them all Oh yeah, and Christian Christian Slater, uh, which I, I I wasn't very familiar with Christian Slater. I just watched True Romance last night. It was pretty okay. True Romance, coincidentally, also starts with like they they use the title the the company logo screen. I forgot what it was called, like Legacy or something like that. It uses music from this movie. It uses the the <laughs> main theme from this mo movie for the little little uh, company logo thing. It's like when which was funny. Oh, what was it? That's like uh, that's like that weird crossover with Garfield and Bill Murray, and and Bill Murray playing yeah. Garfield in the movies, but then uh, yeah, the the uh, oh yeah, the uh, Garfield actor playing Bill Murray's character in in a Ghostbusters animated show. Yeah, that's something like that. It was like a they referenced it on Rick and Morty. Yeah, and I looked it up. I was like, oh, that's true. Um, yeah. So. Uh, yeah, so then then uh, John Little comes out, and he beats John Little with a stick in the stick battle, and then he calls him Little John. I thought that was pretty good. Little John. Seems I've been oh, across yeah. the gate, John Little. Or should I call you Little John? Yeah! <laughs> I, had to, yep. I, had to put, yes. I had to put in the Little John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little John. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Only... So this is uh... a <laughs> this is a long yeah. way to go for that, but yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't understand the reference actually. <laughs> <laughs> little John, the ra little John's a rapper who goes yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. I remember, like, uh, I remember uh, Dave Chappelle did a, a bit about him. I yeah, think. yeah. Or was it no? Was it somebody? I think it was a. I think it, wait, I, I think it may have. Been. I think Dave Chappelle probably did something with him. I haven't seen this Chappelle show in a while, yeah. but it sounds it sounds like something he'd do. But yeah, Lil John, yeah. Lil John's famous so, for, for yeah. all his songs. He does the yeah yeah yeah. So uh, yeah, that that is actually part of the. I think uh, it is the the character in the old stories is named uh, John Little, and then gets called Little John when he joins the. It's actually him joining the Merry Men, not not Robin Hood joining the Merry Men. Uh, in the in the original uh, legend, it was like Robin Hood had he he already has his crew. He he goes off like they're all out hunting, and Robin Hood goes off from his crew. He comes come he wants to cross this river. There's a log on the river, and a guy named John Little uh, defending this. Uh, like I don't know if it's like he's I don't know what the what the context was. Like he's being is he being paid to uh, to stop anyone from crossing this log on a river or something. Uh, but anyway, he gets into a quarterstaff fight with with Robin. I think in the earliest versions, uh, John Little actually beats Robin Hood, but still ends up joining the Merry Men. So this is like kind of inverted from. Uh, yeah. Okay, I got you. So, no, so it was just little. It was just 
John Little there and and Robin Hood with his guys instead of Robin Hood coming across all of John Little's guys. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there, yeah, and so in the original stories, I'm assuming um Robin Hood wasn't traveling around with a Muslim guy. Yeah, pro- I I'm, I think Azim was an invention for this movie. Right, yeah. Um yeah, so it, it uh Robin Hood kind of John Little beats him. He John in this in this movie John Little uses uh he he sort of uses some unfair or uh unfair tactics and then Robin comes back at him and 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 with a little surprise attack and and then ends up holding him under the water uh until he gives up. Uh although that I think there were some later versions of it where that was a thing where I I I I feel like I I maybe you know, confabulating this, but I feel like there was another version of of the story where Robin Hood is, Robin Hood beats him by like nearly drowning him. Anyway, um, well, yeah, little little John or John Little Little John couldn't. Uh, yeah. I don't think he could um, swim, right? Isn't that what he says? Yeah, I'm I'm not sure. I think he's like freaking yeah, out because so, he can't swim after he gets pushed in. Yeah. So later on, when uh, let's see, Robin goes to a a. a um, he goes to a cathedral to speak with Maid Marian in disguise and also to visit a, a priest who he knew uh, when he was young and uh, Robin Hood has his first sort of encounter with the Sheriff of Nottingham he cuts he cuts his uh, he cuts uh, Alan Rickman's face and then he, he gets away by doing the, the classic cut the rope and, and, and hold on to the other rope and, and Yeah, the Indiana Jones it's a higher place. Movie. Yeah. And then one of the best lines in the movie which I, I have provided to you as a clip. Moxley! I'm gonna cut your heart out with a spoon. Then it begins. Then it begins. Yeah. Yeah, that, the, the then it begins part is kind of a yeah cheesy. Like it feels like the movie's telling you it's a movie, and it, it's it's yeah. sort of. I don't well, know. Well, it's kind of like I, when Gandalf. Uh, it's kind of like uh, I think it's Return of the King. Oh yeah, uh, when it has Gandalf begun, like the the art the, the uh, first, or no, it's a uh, it's it's a uh, it probably isn't, but all three movies for all I know. But it's the Helm's Deep battle. When the yeah. old dude couldn't hang on to the arrow for long enough, and he he shoots an orc, and then they all start charging, and Gandalf. Goes, oh yeah, it was uh, Theoden. I think Theoden, Theoden says. says uh, Theoden says so, so it begins. It, so it begins, and, and then, then also Gandalf uh, yeah. says it in Return of the King. I think so it begins. Well, I think yeah. I think also Gandalf has that line after the Battle of Helm's Deep, where he says, uh, "The battle for Middle Earth has begun." And, yeah, <laughs> you know. Uh, and then oh yeah, you know the the Mortal Kombat movie with with. Uh, uh, Christopher Lam- Lambert uh, saying, "It has begun," and then yeah. it cuts directly to to Shao Kahn saying, "It has begun." <laughs> <laughs> it, it's like a disconnected thing, but th- that was like one of the the best sort of. I don't know if that was intended to be like because that movie has so many like <laughs> intentionally comedic parts, and, and then a lot of unintentionally comedic. Yeah, yeah. And then, <laughs> I okay. feel like that's unintentional. Yeah, I, I, th- I, it's so weird because it's they're saying the same line. Like maybe it's like they think it's it's for emphasis if you hear it twice, but but it seeming like it, it's coming independently from two different characters. Just yeah, it does make it seem comedic. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, and then one of my favorite parts. Uh, so the sheriff is chasing after Robin Hood, uh, trying to stop him from escaping the castle. And he he runs out and says, "Close the, close the gate." Yeah. He 
puts like two syllables in in close. Hello. Uh, Alan Rickman does talk very. He he he's like it's sort of like an. Uh, snooty upper class grunting. The way he talks, he, he's it's like it's very strange. You like in most it, of it his is. movies? No, uh, in I don't know. Like I'm not sure. He I don't know. Like uh, he doesn't ever really yell. Yeah, like usually in Harry yeah, Potter, like he, like he did in this. Yeah, he does. Say, yeah, like he does. He does often have very odd kind of Potter. cadence. Is that the? Or, um, so, uh, the so the the guard fails to close the 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 castle gate before Robin Hood. It, escapes and then the sheriff like grabs the guy and like punches him beats into like beats him out. beats him into unconsciousness <laughs> and then and then he turns around uh just because you know he hasn't had enough he wants to beat beat uh another guard but as he turns around his cape you see that his cape is caught under like the guard fell on his, part of his cape and then his cape is tearing after as he's going after the this other guard which is like <laughs> I missed that I don't know if that was it may have been like an unscripted thing, but like, because yeah. you know, maybe one actor just fell on the other and you know, on Alan Rickman's cape, and then, but his cape is tearing after he's going after this other guard. It's just the the funniest thing. Yeah, I like how the, like, all and, of them were laughing at that guard he was beating up, and then like, yeah, well, then he like, just starts going after them. Yeah, it, well, it's funny because it's like they might be laughing at the guard he's beating up. They might be laughing at the sheriff. You don't know, like, because. Because it is, it is funny. Like it is right. kind of, sort of pathetic in that scene with it, that he's he's taking it out on his own guards in in, in a very like uh, emotional manner. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it could be either uh, one. Yeah, but just that, the, just his cape tearing as as he's going after the guard. It, it, that that adds to the sort of making the sheriff look kind of pathetic while also he's he's still intimidating. You know, because he can beat up his own men without anyone, you know, stopping him. You know, no, because they they might be too scared of the repercussions of of what happens right. if if they say, "Hey, uh, you you shouldn't be doing." That. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Then it's them next. Uh, yeah, and then uh, let's see. He's he's speaking to his cut. Co his cousin asks him in a later scene while while Alan Rickman is getting his uh, cut stitched up. His cousin asks, "Why a spoon, cousin?" Oh, uh, I think I I have the yeah, clip yeah. of that. <laughs> Why a spoon, cousin? Why not? Because it's dull, you twit. It'll hurt more. Uh, <laughs> that's just... That's one of the best line delivers in the movie. Just, just to the, like, he was waiting to yell that. Like, he, he, he's just... He needs to... He still needs to get out this this rage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, he'd been thinking then, about the then, spoon for, like, that whole time until he gets asked about yeah. it. Yeah. And, and then, like, right, bef right before... Right before uh, the guy goes in to, to like stitch up his his cut, he says, "Keep the stitches small." Like, like he's he's very he's very concerned with his looks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh. Uh. Let's see. Yeah. This is like the only the only scene one of the only scenes I remember uh, seeing as a kid. Uh. Anyway, let's see. Which oh yeah the stitch uh, one. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and the part like another part that I I uh, brain dumped, which was great, is is later on when he sees that when when he he has a uh, he has a statue of himself made and and which like it's established at the beginning of the movie, and then later on it it turns out someone has vandalized it, uh, drawn the stitches on the side of the statue's face, mm -hmm. and he's trying to rub it off. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's see the next scene. Um, Robin Hood. Oh yeah, so Will Scarlet confronts. Uh, Robin Hood, Will Scarlet, played by Christian Slater. Uh, he doesn't trust R Robin Hood. He tries to he tries to uh, um, 
throw a throwing knife at him, and then Robin turns around and shoots fires him. an arrow and <laughs> shoots him through the hand. Like this is like really cool scene. Uh, they did this uh, trick where they uh, Kevin Costner shoots an arrow that's sort of attached to a a, a line. You can you can kind of see the line. It's nothing to you know. It's nothing to really bring up as a, a nitpick. Uh, like, cause you you only see it if you're looking for it. Uh, but they so they do the thing where they the camera follows the arrow that Costner shoots, and then and then uh, Christian Slater already has an arrow in his hand. And he has holding it. He's holding it up next to the line, and then it's it's pretty seamless. Yeah. Uh, the way they the way they uh, did it, and so they, I, I thought yeah. that was really cool. And then <laughs> they it was like uh, yeah, Robin Hood. It was like I could see. I felt like there might have even been based on some of the scenes in that movie with the arrows that Robin Hood's using, I felt like there might have been a little bit of, that might have been some of the inspiration that uh, Peter Jackson had for Legolas. Yeah. Just with yeah, like but, the, all yeah, the over-the-top arrow shots. Yeah, and uh, yeah, although I that's one of my criticisms of, of uh, the Lord of the Rings, how uh, or like they, if you look at the behind-the-scenes footage, it kind of breaks the illusion because uh uh, Orlando Bloom in most of those scenes is not shooting an arrow. He's like, I mean, like those scenes where he's like, he's ra- sort of rapid fire shooting arrows. I, sorry, I just hit the mic. Uh, he's not, sh- he's not shooting it. He's not knocking, uh, knocking is when you put the arrow on the thing. Uh, he, he's, he, 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 he's not using any arrows. He's, he's just, you know, moving his hands fast enough so that you can't tell there's no arrows. Right. Yeah. Um, let's see. All right, so they get um you you get uh, the the speech uh, the motivational speech from Robin Hood, and it would and you know Kevin Costner's voice is kind of funny in this movie. He kind of sounds like he has a slight Southern accent. Um, yeah, well, he was doing JF- month- he was doing uh, Oliver Stone's JFK that year where he plays the district attorney of New Orleans. Yeah. So that would the Southern accent yeah. might have been kind of sneaking in. Yeah. And um, let's see. So you get a montage of of uh, you know uh, Robin Hood's men setting up their their sort of camp. Uh, let's see. Oh yeah, you see the the villager the 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 peasants training, and one of them has like you see a close up of, of uh, an old man drawing back a bow and arrow. And this must have contributed to the way I like when I was a little kid before I actually had a little bow and arrow set. Mm-hmm. The 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 way I thought that they were meant to be pulled with like because I didn't know that there was a notch in there was meant to be a notch in the back of the arrow that fits around the string and then you just pull the string back with like you you wrap your fingers around the string and pull it back. Right. Uh, I thought that you have to you have to hold the arrow onto the string with in, in between your thumb and forefinger and then pull the string back, but that would have been Im- impossible with medieval bows because they had draw weights of like between like seventy and like hundred something pounds. Yeah. And so those scenes, those scenes in like medieval movies and fantasy movies where characters are have have their uh, bows drawn, like they have like a you know, it's the same thing where, where characters are holding guns to each other and, like, you know, threatening each other. When they do, uh, they, they try to do that with bows, but it doesn't really work because you can't hold them back for, for more than a few seconds before you have to let them go. Because uh, people, you, you know, you don't draw them until, unless you're ready to, until you're ready to fire because uh, it's, it's, you injure yourself if you try to hold it back too long. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, they I don't know how they, they didn't have, like, you know... Uh, uh, archery consultant on that. I don't know. Uh, 
So, oh yeah. Also, they 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 forge arrowheads uh, out of out of molten uh, metal from. Yeah, I was a wondering campfire. where they got all that metal. Yeah, so they they're doing it from what looks like a campfire, which I'm pretty sure it's impossible to, yeah. to achieve the the temperatures you need to to melt. Yeah, those even materials Jeff, you on a, can't on like melt little... steel beams, man. That's oh, just yeah. a campfire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, you see, they 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 make chainmail and oh no actually the chainmail you see is like when it's attached to these uh, like practice dummies and they show a, a close up shot and this may just be a problem with high definition but you see uh, where the the links in the chainmail are 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 joined there's like little uh, realistically they would have like soldered no, not so they don't have soldering irons back then but they would have they would have um, melted those links shut because otherwise it has like only like ten percent of the strength to like you know. Uh, yeah, chainmail is meant to have closed um, rings. Um, anyway. Oh yeah, the, and the, they're also like they they have like all they they're like creating piles of swords, and I think it implies they're forging these swords, which it doesn't show that they have the capability to do. It. Although the swords that they have are like. They're covered in like uh, dings and and uh, and like dust and stuff, which I think it. This is just one of those weird things where I I I am convinced that they're trying to tell you that they just made those swords, but they still want to make the movie look like sort of gritty and realistic, and so they they add all this wear to the swords. Yeah, it, it, the whole montage was kind of hard to like. Yeah, uh, kind of unbelievable. And yeah, the way they talk about it in the in the commentary makes it sound like it wasn't very planned out. Uh, yeah, the air. They, oh yeah, no. The thing is that when they make the they make they forge these new arrowheads and they they already show where like you see the new they like making like attaching the new arrowheads to bows, to, I mean to arrows, and they already show signs of wear. So it's like they're they're just doing this as a stylistic thing to, because they don't want like shiny materials in in this movie. Right. Like they might reflect the camera, and they they just don't look you know they just don't fit the aesthetic. Even even though it would be realistic to have you know new looking. But you don't. Yeah, it would be. But you don't want like the especially like the peasants and the woodsmen to have like shiny looking weapons. Yeah. Yeah, you need them to still look like the underdogs. Right. Which they, so they should have just made it so that they the, you know you should have just shown a scene of them stealing weapons. Yeah, that would have made more sense. Um, that would have made a lot more sense. Yeah, or just you know, not not really seen, but just have a little thing in the montage. But um, but maybe they wanted to show a a complete montage of just them preparing before you you see them, you know, actually do the thievery, you know. So um, which one? Okay. Oh yeah, they they also they they're building these uh these sort of little forts in the trees, and they have all these walkways. And like they have like later on in the movie, you see like watchmen in the the platforms in the trees, but they're not like they're not covered by anything, you know. Right. Uh, it's one of those weird things with medieval movies. Whenever like a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of times you can tell they're using just a, uh, a you know the remains of a castle when when you see like guards on a castle wall, but the castle wall is only going up to like waist height because. They when when those castles were built in the medieval era, they build they build the walls to be above the heads of the guards. But but when uh, they became obsolete in, uh, as uh, defensive positions, they they make it so that it's just a balcony. You can they 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 remove enough of the bricks so it just becomes a balcony you can you know look off of. 
Right, yeah. Uh, it says they've yeah. already got one. See, I don't know why I have it at this part of the notes. Uh, I think it's because they say it in the in the commentary, but Sean Connery, uh, and I didn't know this until now, but he Sean Connery played Robin Hood in a film called Robin and Marion from 1976, the year after uh, The Man Who Would Be King. Full circle, so I need to man. check that out and see if it's... Yeah, I, need to see I, I if guess that's, uh, because I'll, I'll forget to bring it up. I, I When I finished that movie, I was like, I was convinced that you picked Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves just because the king shows up and it's Sean Connery at the very, like, the oh. last 30 seconds of the movie. Yeah. I, was like, yeah. I was like, you did that on purpose. Yeah. And, I, you know, another... Speaking of full circle, when I, I, I watched True Romance last night, um... The music in that movie was done by Hans Zimmer. That movie ends with a shot of, of like, the sun setting over a beach. And with Hans Zimmer's music, it looks like that movie ends the exact same way as The Lion King begins. Because that starts off with Hans... I don't know if that... I think it was a... It may have been a collaboration between Hans Zimmer and, and uh, Elton John, that first... And Tim Rice, that first song. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. yeah, but it's like it, it feels the exact like I want to I need to try to cut together the ending of True Romance and the beginning of The Lion King and see if it like it's like seamless it lines up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So. Oh, uh, we never oh, did. Yeah, the, we never a, did hear Spoon Three. Spoon Three. What's that? Oh, uh, or should I wait? I think, yeah, I think that might be coming up. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I have that in my notes. It's coming up later. Okay, so uh, I think they, uh, Robin Hood uh, and his crew start doing their their uh, uh, robberies. Uh, Alan Rick, there's a, there's a nice little scene where it just to show that the sheriff of Nottingham is angry. He like he he's. He, he has this knife and he's he's like stabbing at uh, like a plate that's in uh we didn't mention the witch there's a witch in this oh movie. yes that's one of the weird things that's one of the weird additions uh to this movie uh she and she uh predicts her own she like prophesies her own death early in the movie and uh okay so there's a scene where Alan Rickman is is uh down there and and all that happens in the scene is is he's you know just he's he's angry he like yeah he, he takes out this knife and he's like stabbing at the contents of this plate but to the it's to the beat of the the music i'm i'm sure yeah. they, the the composer probably probably intentionally uh chain you know altered the uh you know the beat of his music to to go along with that yeah yeah um, i noticed that too that was that was interesting and then yeah he's he's talking he so uh, the sheriff of Nottingham is doing this stuff. He, he's uh, basically punishing the peasants for the actions of Robin Hood to try to make the peasants turn against Robin Hood, but it's not working. They just blame the sheriff. So, uh, so uh, you know, once he realizes this, it's the uh, it's the you know the clip. I think the the topical one. The, the Robin yeah the topical steals one steals money from my pocket, forcing me to hurt the public. And they love him for it? Yes. That's it then. Cancel the kitchen scraps for lepers and orphans. No more merciful beheadings. And call off Christmas. <laughs> uh, oh, yes. Yeah. I have the ice with Call off Christmas. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> Yeah, and directly after that is the scene where uh, he's trying to rub the scar off of the uh, the, um, the statue, and you get uh, this next sort of gem. Uh, do you have it? 
The bring uh, a friend line. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, thought I did. Oh, oh, sorry. I have lost my spot. Here we go. Oh. You, Myram, 10.30 tonight. You, 10.45. Bring a friend. <laughs> bring a friend. <laughs> yeah, this this is just one of those weird. Yeah, so I think I think it's just to show the uh, the power that the sheriff of Nottingham has, uh, sort of in this power vacuum where King Richard is off fighting. Although, obviously, they they leave out the Prince John element. Anyway, yeah, it's just a funny little scene. Yeah, I, uh, I also so, is it fair to say that like. Dr. Fauci is the modern-day Sheriff of Nottingham. Call off Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, sorry. Then you get the introduction of Friar Tuck. Yes. Uh, who's uh, an actor I'm not familiar with, but I, I've heard he's from... Whose line is it anyway? Uh, he wasn't one of the yeah, main guys, what? but he might have been on there, like, off and on. Yeah. He wasn't one of the main yeah. four, though. Okay. I don't. I don't know anything about the show. I don't know when it started or. I mean, yeah. the, the iteration I know was like <clears throat> one of the dudes from Mister Show, uh, Colin, somebody, uh, Wayne, is it Wayne Brady, and then i don't know it's it was four guys four main guys and I, he wasn't one okay. of them as far as i know but then yeah you had you had rotating uh guests on there like uh yeah like stephen colbert was even on a couple episodes so he might have been on whose line off and on oh yeah yeah a lot of what i'm getting like a lot of the uh medieval stuff uh that i'm referencing i i'm taking from uh uh there's a channel on youtube called shadowversity and and uh this is uh yeah so so if, if i'm wrong about this blame him Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but I, I do recommend watching uh, Shadowversity's. Uh, it's a three-part breakdown of the uh, medieval accuracy in uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Yeah. So. What's the uh, verdict yeah. that he gives? I can put that in the show notes if you'll send it to me. But. Oh yeah. Well, it's on, like but... you know his his verdict was basically that uh, uh, you know it's a movie he loved as a kid. Re revisiting after uh, sort of researching uh, the, the medieval age. Uh, it's it's it, you know it's 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 got more inaccuracies than accuracies but yeah. but still like but still That's it's Hollywood a fun movie. in general <laughs> usually yeah yeah like like he references that the the uh, characters the the you know all the characters are are like wearing rags and uh it which it makes almost makes gives it a post apocalyptic there's no there's a couple of things in this movie that gives it a po post apocalyptic feel which is fitting cuz the director went on to do Waterworld like what if this is somehow tied in i don't know <laughs> uh, i mean i'll talk about uh i'll talk about the uh um robin hood robin hood's father's sword uh later on um anyway um oh yeah so there we uh sheriff's cousin is uh is being confronted by uh, the sheriff for his failure to capture Robin Hood. Yeah. Well, at least I didn't use a spoon. <laughs> I, see, that, I say that, that every funny time because, I eat my cereal. Yeah. Uh, Alan Rickman's voice kind of slurs a bit at, at least, and I, I don't know, like, I think it's just the, I, I think it's him putting, you know, putting on the character. Well, it's, I, okay, I don't let's think listen again and see if we can, if I can hear what you're saying. 
Yeah. Well, at least I didn't use a spoon. Yeah, he's like, at least. But at least but I least. didn't use a spoon. But at least I didn't use a spoon. <laughs> but well, yeah, it's, 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 too. it's like that for like all of his lines. And I know it's it's different. Like, you know, when he plays like Snape in Harry Potter, he's like, he's like speaking slowly and softly mm. in all the scenes. So it, it could just be, you know, the different uh, speed of, of how he's speaking. I don't know. But. So then, um, let's see. You get the scene of of Maid Marian and her 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 maid uh, uh, finding the the uh, the Mary Men's hideout, and, <laughs> and then they and, uh, and then they watch. It was like yeah. a it was like a reverse National Lampoon scene where the women watch the yeah. man, the man bathe and go like oh see, yeah and this is like yeah this is one of the things I'm thinking like might have been like one of those politically correct yeah, or it it's it sure. like the the early version of like you know how like. Uh, you know, they do the things in the Marvel movies where they always have to have the, the one, like, one shirtless scene and then a female character sort of fawning over them or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, this was, like, a really just, like, I don't know, was was anybody, were people at the time, like, were women at the time, like, like uh, longing to see a, a Kevin Costner bathing scene? Because I just find that... You gotta I don't know, man. Kevin, like, it was before, like, we were not even born, we were a couple years from being born when this movie came out, obviously, but yeah, Kevin Costner seemed like he was the hot, like he was hot shit back in the day from what, from what the, oh, how many oh, movies yeah, he, he was in a, around that time. Yeah. He did a movie like, uh, I think it was called no way out and the, the cover for it is like sort of an erotic scene. I think yeah. it may have been around the time when erotic, like erotic thrillers were the big thing with all those Michael Douglas movies. Yeah. So I don't know, man, it um, seems like Kevin Costner was like, he was, he was on top. He was like a, the uh, Tom Cruise for like a half a decade at least. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Oh yeah. Then uh, you get a seat of uh, Friar Tuck sort of showing his mistrust for uh, for uh, Azim. You know, you can make you can make the uh, the Christian characters bigoted against. You know, it's it's kind of realistic to have uh, you know to to, to portray bigotry. Uh, but you know, uh, Azim is is the enlightened one in this situation, which, which to be fair, maybe just be to balance out the more villainous depiction of the the Muslims in the the prison scene earlier in the movie. I right. don't know. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Oh yeah. Uh, as uh, Maid Marian is leaving their their camp. Uh. Oh yeah. I forgot to mention. Uh. Early in the movie, Sheriff gives Maid Marian. A, a a dagger as a gift, and then she takes it. She decides to add it to the stockpile of treasure that Robin has stolen, uh, and then Robin says, "Oh no, well, he he doesn't know that the sheriff gave it to her. He thinks it's just something she owns, and and so he he sort of treasures it. He takes it, and and uh, and holds on to it. And uh, as she's leaving the uh, the camp, uh." you get the sort of romantic goodbye scene that's when uh everything i do which was apparently written for this movie starts and i give you that uh, a clip of that what, it, what wait this was in yeah. the movie no it's arrested i i took the clip from arrested okay. development <laughs> okay. you know it's true everything i do please don't do this i do it for you Okay, because yeah. <laughs> that was so one of my favorite. That song was in Robin Hood, but it wasn't sang. Is that what you're saying? 
No, it, it was in the it's it's saying in the credits of the film. Oh. But it was it was in the scene. It wasn't saying it was. It's sort of you hear the tune of this song I, okay. incorporated into. It's incorporated into the score of the movie because <laughs> it was written for the movie. I had no idea. And so, yeah, and when I that scene from Rust Development, which is one of one of my favorite scenes, uh, I didn't I didn't know uh, at the time that it's from this movie. What episode or is the, that? That song. I mean, that's from the final episode of season two. It's like Job has you know the his puppet Franklin. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's it's right. it's one of the songs. Like, there's actually I could have used a clip from when the police officers are listening to the the CD that that uh, Job gives Michael, and it's it's the it's like it's uh, Job and Franklin singing uh, the song, and it's like more, <laughs> it's more. It has the music behind it and everything, and uh, but the thing is, on the CD that he gives he gives Michael, he. He did it. Uh, he actually put Michael's. He's singing Michael's name in the the song. Like like he's actually, uh, and this is yeah. It, it's it plays into the plot of that episode where where uh, uh, you know, uh, Michael he 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 has to like sort. He knows his brother is is hiding the location of his his father who's a fugitive and. Mm-hmm. He's about to turn him in, but then he he hears the police listening to the song, and he decides he can't turn in his brother or turn on his brother, uh, which, which is great. Uh, uh, that's like that's, so. I love um, that show so much. When's the new season coming out? I don't. I don't know. I haven't seen season five. I've only seen up to season four. Oh, I liked season five better than season four. I like the. Uh, yeah. I like them both better than season three. I, yeah, season three was season three was pretty bad. Seasons one and two were the ones that I I keep rewatching. Like I think they you just hold I, up. I think season four, you could tell there was some problems, but there was some really good bits in there. But the, season oh. five, I loved the Mexican Romneys. It's like you oh. know Mitt Romney moved, or his his parents, um, his dad was a Mormon, and because they outlawed polygamy, they, uh, his dad was born in Mexico or whatever, something like that. So there's like oh, uh, yeah. in in Arrested Development season five, there's like all these dudes with sombreros. Oh, okay. we are the Mexican Romneys. <laughs> okay, yeah. it's really good. All uh, right, yeah, that's a good. Yeah, I got to see that. Anyway, uh, yeah. Anyway, all right. So Robin Hood, Prince yeah, of you Thieves. Then you get the scene where uh, Sheriff is is sort of conspiring with his witch and and uh, to you know she's consulting. Oh, this is this scene. And the gross. witch raised him, she, right? She, or was that just a rumor? Oh, okay. Wait. Uh, I'm gonna address that. I have that. Actually, have that in my notes. Um, it's very, very strange. And I, I, um, okay. So in this scene, she like she puts some blood in a pan and then like spits in it. And mm. it's the the camera shows a close up of it. It's the grossest thing. And then she like plays around with it and with her finger, the long fingernail. It's yeah. the grossest thing I've ever seen in a movie. And you have all those like, <laughs> and you have all the. Uh... Frogs and snakes and all the well, yeah, I mean, mice, yeah, like, no, like that, I, yeah, yeah, like I've watched Slither, around. like I've watched you know James Gunn's Slither, like that's a pretty gross movie. This movie is that that this little shot is like it, it got me more like ugh, like <laughs> than anything in in that. Um, the Saw movies are pretty hard to watch as on a, as far as gross factor goes. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so she she tells the the sheriff uh, recruit the beasts who share our gods, and she's referring to uh, the Celts from Scotland. And it's like the movie portrays the Scottish as like as 
you know, barbarians as, as like uh, savages, sort of. Well, they are. It, it's still, still today. But <laughs> yeah, but like, but like at this time, they probably would have looked more standard to you know medieval. Like they, they weren't like still like uh, uncontacted tribes. <laughs> I mean, I guess they still are. You know? Yeah, they are. Whatever. <laughs> Yeah, but but I mean, I, I I should I should I'll circle back around to this at the end because there's just a, a tiny point. Uh, but anyway, uh, this is one of my favorite parts because uh, Alan Rickman. So so, so uh, yeah, he at first he's taken aback. He doesn't want to associate with the Scottish, but then he but then he, he's like uh, hired thugs, and you can play the clip. <laughs> yeah. Hired thugs. Actually, uh, that was that was. That was probably one of the best uh, lines in the movie. Yeah. Hired thugs. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Yes. He's getting like an almost sexual pre yeah. pleasure from the, the thought the of, thought of, of uh, you know. And, Brilliant. Ah. Ah. Yeah. And if you look at like. Uh, watch this movie and look at his face he just has this glowing gleaming smile and a, you know <laughs> glitter in his eye as as it's just, i i don't. yeah ah. yeah it's just the best <laughs> okay so um let's see oh yeah there's a deleted scene uh that shows up in the extended cut where the um uh sheriff is conspiring with with all these other noblemen i think uh and he's planning on like just totally uh uh taking over england from King Richard and like and uh, dividing up dividing it up between him and, and all these other nobles who would be co-conspirators and then they're like well where are we gonna get the uh, the men to do this and 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 the, and the uh this the leader of the the Celts comes in and he's like this big like so, sort of uh, he looks like an extra from uh Conan the Barbarian movie yeah and and uh, apparently there was a, a scene like a clip a scene that was cut from even the extended version that the director talks about in the commentary where uh, one of the noblemen uh, insults the the Scottish guy and and uh, he gets decapitated the Scottish guy decapitates him and, and was it just so cut that, to that keep was, the PG-13 rating? I get except um, the extended cut is unrated so oh. it's just kind of weird so it could just be that it was too much of a tonal shift I don't know yeah, or Although, maybe just yeah. the special effects didn't stand up yeah. to scrutiny on a yeah, like, review. Like it, yeah, it could be the kind of thing where it needed further editing, but not it wasn't worth finishing for just for uh, you know alternate. At the time, it was just an alternate DVD, but then it became the only cut on Blu-ray, I think. Mm. Um, so let's see. Oh yeah, Maid Marian gets gets uh, kidnapped by a guard. And he's like, I've never seen the breasts of a noble woman. <laughs> like, really, <laughs> really weird. Uh, yes, that call that that always calls that always calls for the uh, yeah. The uh, it didn't. Play I like women with me. big giant tits and big asses. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So um. Before the assault happens on the on Robin Hood, uh, there so the the watchmen in their little uh, scaffolding or whatever, they they're warning uh, Robin Hood and his men of the oncoming army, 
which apparently followed directly behind the the blind guy who who was escaping Marion's. Uh, yeah, I just want to know how the blind guy couldn't hear him. That was my only question. Yeah, on that. It was weird. yeah, it's it's just it's it's pretty weird. <laughs> it's it's one of those. It's it's a plot hole, but it, it was done just for expediency. I think just having the army just following right behind. Them. So uh, the the watchmen fire these whistling air, these arrows that make a whistling sound, and you you think the whistling sound is meant to be you know sort of a form of alarm, like maybe it's an alarm. It's sort of meant to be an alarm, a, a, a type of alarm that the that the enemies wouldn't hear, so they wouldn't know they're they're doing a you know a signal. But they they fire them at the feet of of Robin Hood and his men, uh, which is already kind of dangerous. And then directly after, like they waste no time in just yelling, "There's an army approaching!" So it's like, <laughs> what was the what were the arrows for? They even call like, them warning arrows, don't they? I think they refer to them oh the yeah, they say warning like arrows. warning arrows. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So but, but here was what was crazy is like after they already know there's an army on the way. They like something else happens, and they shoot like three warning arrows all down near like Robin Hood and them, and it's like they land like really close to all of them. It's like yeah, <laughs> yeah, and so it's like it's 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 weird thing where it's like uh maybe the the Watchmen like you can sort of write like it fill in this hole by saying like maybe the the Watchmen were just they had these warning arrows and they'd never used them before and they just they're just waiting for their one chance and it's like it was pointless to use them yeah. now but it's like you know we may never get another chance to use <laughs> so these can't just like what we have all these warning arrows we got to use them at some point <laughs> yeah awesome. and so yeah the Scottish run in and they're burning everything and killing and then and uh uh Robin Hood is he he's saving uh uh uh, little John's newborn child, and and in the process, he he little he John. seemingly falls to his death. You see a shot of of him, his his medallion, and 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 uh, his medallion is apparently recovered by the villains, and and the sheriff uses it to uh, try to convince uh, uh, Maid Marian that he's dead because he wants to Maid Marian to be uh, you know disheartened enough that she agrees to marry uh, the sheriff. Yeah, also, this... the uh, not to jump too far ahead, but there is, it, the movie can't be that politically correct when it's PG-13 and you have an attempted rape scene. Yeah, yeah, and we'll, we'll get there. Okay. <laughs> and uh, so, um, when the scene where they, they find out that Robin Hood is, is alive, he's coming over this hill and he's framed in this, like, clearly a studio light, like, that's, like, shining, like, beams, sort of to the side like where he's blocking out the lights like shining visible beans because i guess there's there's fog there's fog so it's like you know it's kind of cheesy uh alan there's a scene where uh, sh uh the sheriff is interrogating prisoners i have a i put a clip in 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 there i i think uh i think i i called it we'll we'll find him anyway or something like that oh yes 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 Either tell me where he may be hiding, or you'll all be hanged, and then we'll catch him anyway and do the same thing to him. <laughs> just I just really... love the, the delivery of that line. It's like, he yeah. comes in slow, and then it's yeah. just... -da 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 -da. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm sure it was intended uh, for comedy, and it works. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, what, what the actual joke is, you know, just, you know, the character talks kind of funny. And... <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh... So Will Scarlet agrees to to uh, 
he Will Scarlet is captured. He he agrees uh, with the sheriff to because he has a grudge against Robin Hood. He agrees to go out and find him and kill him. And uh, and so and uh, so Will Scarlet confronts Robin Hood uh, when he he's revealed to be he's revealed to be Robin Hood's half brother. It turns out Robin Hood was a spoiled little child, and and when his father his mother died and his father remarried. Robin Hood did not like that his father remarried. He thought it was a betrayal of his to his mother, and he convinced his father. You know, he must have been like really like making a fuss to to convince his father to to uh, you know get rid of his new wife. Like, yes, yeah, like, just didn't want his dad young, to get laid. Like young, like a little child, Robin Hood must have been like a force of nature in terms of like bratty child. Like mm-hmm. anyway, so the. Um, the wife that his father rejects in order to uh, uh, appease Robin Hood has the child. The child is Will Scarlet, which is interesting because there was a later version of the legend they, where Will Scarlet does have a fam- familial cl- connection with Robin Hood, but he's his nephew, not his brother. Yeah, I couldn't and, tell yeah, that... in that scene when if they were actually brothers or if it was just part of a ruse that uh, Will Scarlet was using to get yeah. to Robin Hood. Yeah. As per but, you know, Snape's it, demands. Now that I'm assuming that was the goal of the movie is to make you not really sure whether that was. Uh, well, I think it could be, or I think the character may have just been indecisive. He he had this grudge. He's like he he has. It's weird because he has both a a deep grudge against Robin Hood, but also an admiration of him for being able to sort of you know make everyone stand up against the sheriff. Mm-hmm. So it's like these dueling kind of emotions. These you know very complicated. Arrested Development esque emotions, and then the the as he as he's sort of reconnecting when Robin Hood realizes I have a brother the you know the everything I do uh, line cut oh yeah and and it was a you know it was a brotherly true. thing and yeah. everything I do please don't do this I do it for you <laughs> exactly yeah Robin Hood is Job in in this scenario and Will yeah. Scarlet is is yeah. Michael Bluth and yes. Yeah. Uh, all right. I have a brother. Ah, yes. So yeah, it cuts back. There's a there's a scene in the extended cut where it turns out that the witch has been spying. Like the sheriff finds out the witch has been spying on all of his meetings, and he he decides, well, this must mean that that she's uh, completely made up all of her prophecies. And then he confronts her, and then she reveals that she uh, is his actual mother, and she she murdered the the you know the noble family's actual child and replaced their child with her own child uh who is the sheriff of nottingham so he's like having like and this was i think this was totally like you mentioned this i don't know uh where you gathered it from because i didn't i didn't get this from the theatrical cut but it's like it adds this whole dimension to yeah, the character that I don't... they never said that it outright that it was a mother but some i think it was uh when like early on when the the, uh, the woodsman and John Little and all them are hanging out, they're talking about the sheriff and they're like, yeah, well, they say sh- that he was raised by a, a witch or something. Yeah. Something like that. Like it was yeah, a well, I, I, I assume it's like a thing where the witch was like originally like, uh, you know, just a housekeeper in the castle, some something like that. And then or a wet nurse or, or something, uh, some something like that. And then and then she she does this whole play like she switches childs and children whatever and uh yeah so it, it like adds this this whole like i don't know what how it 
plays into the sheriff's characterization, like if it's meant to say something about his character. I, I like because I, I didn't. It, I watch think it almost makes it implies that he's been being like she's been pulling his strings and he's been manipulated yeah. by her. Um, yeah. It also adds a weird kind of spiritual dimension to the movie that I didn't mind. I, I it was kind of out of place, but I liked it. I thought it made it kind of cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know how powerful the witch actually is, other than being able to see her own death and the sheriff's death. So yeah. if that's your only power, it kind of sucks. Yeah. But <laughs> plus, like it, the the thing I was confused by is is he uh, so he assumes that that uh, all of her prophecies are fake because he finds out that she's been spying on his meetings. But uh, how could she know things that he doesn't know by telling him about things that he was there? I think the sheriff's just stupid. In. I think the sheriff is yeah, not yeah. too bright. Is what? Yeah, <laughs> I, I think. Yeah, I think that's a good. That's a good judgment. Um, yeah. yeah, I. I don't know, like what. The the with the witch was like. They did a good job with the eyeballs and the creepy hair and all that. She almost looked like a yeah. oh, something no. from Evil Dead too, but the yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I just was conf I was like, I just wanted I was like curious about how. Like what kind of powers the witch had besides foresight? Yeah, definitely. And I think they, you know, they did, they did an okay. Like, I mean, other than her, she like predicts her own death, but she also predicts that it, it's Azim's character basically that kills yeah, her, or at colored, least it's, it's or what the painted man, very, a paint <laughs> a painted man, and then a, a child later on says, "Did God paint you to Azim?" Which is like <laughs> it draws a direct connection between these two. Right. Lines, so it's like it's like yeah, she, it appears at least the movie's telling you she is for real predicting her own death. Mm -hmm. uh, like it's not just a you know a, a coincidence, but yeah, I think you know, I guess it, for audience members who don't want there to be a, a supernatural element to Robin Hood, it's still it doesn't go too far. Like right. Um. All right, so uh, the merry men devise a plan and they they. They sneak in weapons into the castle as the as the um, some of the the um, rebellious peasants are being uh, are about to be uh, hung. And uh, there's this cool shot of uh, let's see. Oh yeah, um, Will Scarlet is is cap uh, is captured again. Uh, the sheriff decides we'll just we'll just kill him. And uh, as uh, uh, the executioner is about to cut off his head robin there's a cool shot of robin hood firing a flaming arrow in slow motion and then it the flaming arrow just oh yeah while there's an explosion there's like a, a huge fire behind robin hood and then he fires a flaming arrow and it just lodges into the ex executioner's head uh and then uh it, and it's it's funny because in the shot robin hood is standing slightly to the right side of the the frame while firing an arrow an arrow to the right side so it's it's like really odd composition like that you wouldn't see in a movie now, and it kind of—I think it, it's one of those things that that adds that adds sort of a a character to the movie, you know. Uh, the movie being made before CGI and with like like there's clearly like a, a rushed element to many of the scenes, like like that montage scene. It was clearly like ru a bit rushed. Gonna need um, a montage. Show a lot of yeah. things happening at once. Make it seem like yeah. more time has passed when you fade out in a montage. But these things just make like, uh, like I can't watch David Fincher movies because they're so like precise and and you know he 
he alters them in 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 post production. Like he uses CGI. To, like like there was a thing in the Zodiac where where uh, a character gets shot in a car and and he 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 didn't use like real blood. He made the blood CGI because there's a, a very specific way he wanted the blood to look. And he's one of those directors that like that uh that does like 80 takes and then uses the last take and and it, it that kind of filmmaking it is just not like it's just not sad it doesn't have the kind of uh spontaneity i think you know i think there needs to be some element of spontaneity to, to movies and this movie just it's it's all spontaneity <laughs> like that's how yeah. it feels yeah no it's uh, you don't want to you don't want to over um like you said, make it so precise that oh, it yeah. just yeah, there's plus, no there's nothing. Uh, yeah. Plus, organic. When you about try it. to make it precise, when you try to make it precise, and then an error, a big error, slips through, it makes it so much worse. Like in Seven, have you seen Seven? Is that the cartoon? It, no, it's it's the one with uh, Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman, and they're they're uh, investigating murders that, no, that I haven't are seen it. like the the seven deadly sins. So when they find it's it, you know you should watch it. It's really good. But there's a scene where they find uh, the uh, uh, sloth, the guy who's been killed because he exhibits sloth. But he's not killed. He's actually being kept. He's like, okay, so so it's like this this uh, this guy who's like extremely thin. This it looks like a corpse, and then uh, and then it turns out the guy is actually being alive. He's being like sort of drip fed something, and and it's while they're like they're like. Uh, investigating the crime scene, they think it's a corpse, but it turns out the guy's still alive. He like coughs, and and it's like, and so, uh, but his arm. So they had a real like re uh, just a really skinny guy play the corpse or the you know the living, not corpse, but they they have a fake. The his arms are fake. So uh, <laughs> you but you can see you can see it's like it's so weird that this slipped through. You would see his the guy's actual arm and then the fake arm next to it. It, like you can look up the clip online uh, uh, like like i think the movie clips uh channel has probably has it <laughs> and it's just like it's so weird that they let it slip through <laughs> that reminds me of uh tim and eric with when tim realizes he can make tigers toy tigers with his brain and like he oh, gets yeah. shrunk he, he yeah. like gets really skinny because he's dying because oh, yeah. of it and they just have his yeah. regular head like cropped onto a really skinny guy's body <laughs> Yeah, except in this one, it wasn't it wasn't compositing. It was like it was all in camera effects, right? And, just and fake just arms, even... like prosthetic. Yeah, and yeah, and it was just like maybe they were just so like they just saw his, his performance and like just the shock of the scene, seeing that this corpse is like is still alive, and they just didn't even notice that that their uh, their setup, like their the fake arm was it was it was sort of offset from where he was meant to be to to make the arm look like it's really his. It's just, it's so weird. And then, okay, so, uh, let's see. Where are we in this scene? Oh, yeah, uh, there's, like, three guards writing... Oh, yeah, uh, Morgan Freeman gives gives this awkward motivational speech from the top of a wall. It's 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 kind of funny. Uh, and it's, like, the one scene where he's not wearing his... He's not wearing his, uh, head wrap. Um, uh, three guards ride towards Robin Hood... No, two two guards. I think two guards are are riding towards Robin Hood. He like he takes out two arrows and he bites off the fletching, which is the feather on one of the arrows, and then shoots it. And then it it uh, the arrows sort of separate and, and hit both people. And I think they they parodied this in in a 
in Mel Brooks' movie. I think it was actually the cover. Doesn't the cover of that movie have like Robin Hood with with like seven arrows, like firing seven arrows at once? Yeah, I, I and I I will say too. I noticed like that. Um, what's it called? Not a quiver, but the, what's the what's the thing that you hold all your arrows in? Your arrow pouch. Right? Yeah, that's that's a quiver, I think. Yeah. Oh, it is. Okay, I think you were so, right. So, uh, yeah, I'd noticed the number of arrows, like, as Robin Hood would shoot, like, the number of arrows either wouldn't change or, like... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, so, yeah, biting off, the like, removing the fletching of an arrow uh, in a Shadowversity uh, brings this up, definitely would not change the tra trajectory of an arrow, especially at that, like, I mean, significantly at that, especially at that range. Mm -hmm. uh, all right, so, okay, so uh, Robin and... Azim are fired, so they hatch a plan. They put them, they put them into a catapult and fire them over the wall. And uh, this is just weird because it's like it must be the weakest catapult in existence because those things are meant to like you know throw rocks and break down castle walls and stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. Is that the that was the one f bomb in the movie too, wasn't it? Yeah, Slater, uh, Christian Slater, uh, <laughs> after he sees that they, he he doesn't even know that they survived. The, he the, just you know, he catapults the them over the wall he just, and he goes like "fuck me," they cleared it, something like that. Yeah, exactly. That's what he says. <laughs> and, and yeah, so that's him. Like his, uh, I think the 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 character um, Will Scarlet is meant to be the, and even in the in Legend, he's meant to be he's meant to be the youthful one. Although his his quirk in the in the uh, in the leg the Robin Hood myth is that he's he is actually very well dressed, which is contrast with him in the movie where he's. He's kind of a, he's an angry peasant. He's, he's, yeah. Uh, it's kind of the opposite of the way it is in the movie. But yeah, it's, it's, it, he's, he's a very dark character in this movie. He's like got a lot of rage, but it's sort of like reestablishing him as the plucky, youthful one, him delivering this, this line with the F-bomb. And... Yeah. Which, uh, contrary to popular belief, the F-word did exist back in like, you know, almost a thousand years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Although, uh, yeah, the, uh, one thing people like uh, one of those uh, I guess counter arguments to to uh, you know the idea that Robin Hood is not speaking in an English an English accent so it's like a uh, plot hole it does kind of take away from the verisimilitude of the movie that he's using such a different accent from all the other characters but uh, it is it is relevant to bring up that they would be speaking Middle English at this time not not modern English so their accent would be totally different even like I think historians think that that uh like the english accent during like the revolutionary war period was totally different from the modern english accent like it may have been even more similar to uh an american accent yeah they say it's like the closest people to how british people used to talk back then supposedly are like the hillbillies in real like real rural mountain areas yeah that like yeah at least a, a lot of their slang comes from uh, directly yeah. from english culture yeah, like varmint. That <laughs> varmint. that was English. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, let's um, see. So okay. So this is we're we're up we're about to the point where there's like the boss battle between Alan Rickman and Kevin Costner. Yeah, the sheriff is trying to marry uh, Marion. The while his his you know, now we know his mother, the witch, is like telling him uh, she's ready. You need to you take her now. Yeah, and and so and yeah, like, Alan no. Rickman's supposed to be raping this uh, woman that yeah. he's technically not even married to. But, I guess technically he's, he's like, be... 
and the witch is like cheering particular. it on and wants to watch. Yeah, he's very particular though that that uh, they must be wed first. So he like he's trying to rush through the marriage <laughs> yeah. process and like there's a funny yeah. scene where. Uh, he, Sheriff says I do, and then and then you know the the priest is like, do you take uh, this this man? And and sh and she she's about to like s yell something, and then he uh, he covers her mouth and 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 uh, sorry I hit the I hit the mic. <laughs> he covers her mouth uh, and goes, of course she does, yeah, or something. Like yes, yes. Uh, um, and then um, let's see. What, what oh yeah, this what is was where... his line? What was Alan Rickman's line? It was something like he can't. He's like I can't. He's like I can't concentrate while you're. I can't do it while you're talking. Yeah. Like yeah. he's like he can't get a boner and if it was like the priest or or the yeah. witch or somebody or maybe it was with the door being hit by uh when yeah. Morgan Freeman and Kevin Costner try to break through the door he's like he just implies that he can't get a boner because like something else yeah. is going on yeah so like yeah Robin Hood and and Azim break in and they're they're fighting well actually uh, they try to break through the door with a statue I think I I can't remember it it must I guess I'm guessing. It must have been the statue, the statue of the sheriff of Nottingham, but I can't, rem I can't, I, I don't, I didn't make that connection. That sounds while I'm right. The scene, so yeah, it sounds so, like it yeah, would be. But uh, yeah, his head breaks off. They can't break through the door, so Robin uh, goes up uh, to the top of the castle and then like, and then swings on a, on one of those long flags, one of those long banners, and swings through the the window and breaks in. Uh, although, um, let's see. That was the where they break in that that hallway where they break in is where I was talking about um, that uh, forced perspective like, painting, and uh, Robin Hood, like before he knows where Maid Marian is, he like th threatens this this guy, the guy that uh, Alan Rickman was talking to in that call off Christmas scene, although in the extended cut it it it, it implies that the sheriff of Nottingham cut the guy's tongue out as like a punishment for something. Uh, I had the commentary on, so I wasn't like fully. Uh, paying attention but yeah it's it's very implied that the guy has has had his con tongue cut out but they still have in the scene where he 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 s seems to speak just fine when he, he's yeah. telling robin hood where maid marion is but right all right so oh yeah the scene where uh alan rickman he's trying to separate he's like he's struggling with mary and he's trying to separate her legs by putting his feet in between her feet and like pulling her legs apart and then he like he like falls in a, a to the floor in a comedic fashion <laughs> Uh, and this is like right before, directly before Robin Hood uh, swings in on that on that banner. And then, so they they start their their sword fight, and Alan Rickman has he he pulls out uh, Robin Hood's father's sword, which he stole, and it's like hideous. It's like the 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 blade is extremely thick, even from a distance. You can see that it's blunted for like yeah. stunts. And you know uh, what it reminded they, me of, though it reminded me. Of Back to the Future 2 when Biff's like, that's oh, the same gun I used to kill your old man. Two McFlies with the same gun. Yeah. That was like, that, yeah, was, exactly. all, that was the same vibe as like... It's, it's it is like, like... Yeah. It is like a big trope, but they do something more clever with something like this later, like at the end of the scene, and I'll talk about that. But, uh, so, yeah, also the pommel of his sword looks like a, a car's hood ornament. Which doesn't make any sense because a pommel of a sword is meant to be like it's. They make it like sort of a little heavy and and uh, round, so it can be used as like a, a blunt instrument for like hitting people. Because there's a an actual sword move where you, uh, I forget what it's called. Like, is it a Mordhouse strike? I don't know. They 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 uh, sort of reverse the sword and like hit someone in the face with their with the pommel, but it wouldn't really work with this one because it's a hood ornament. That's why it looks it looks like a post-apocalyptic kind of sword because yeah. it just looks like it's made out of just random random stuff uh sort of molded Hodge together, together. Which, uh, 
Have you seen The Fisher King? It's a Terry Gilliam movie. Uh, no, I love Terry Gilliam. Rob, uh, so it has Robin Williams and Jeff Bridges. And Robin Williams plays, he's a homeless guy, but he thinks he's like part of like, a, he, he's he's a sort of a crazy homeless guy. And he thinks he's part of like a uh, an order of knights. And he has a sword and it's made out of card. It's made out of, his sword is made out of car parts. I and thought so you were going to say cardboard. Of, car parts is actually really yeah. cool. I like that. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like the the sword is like part of the front bumper of a of a car. And it's really shiny. I, and, is that a good movie? Yeah, I need. I love Terry Gilliams. Oh yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely watch The Fisher King. It's like it's sort okay. of it's sort of like sappy. It's sort it's sort of like uh, it's sort of it's one of Terry Gilliams' more like emotional movies. I'd say in a kind of like sappy sort of Steven Spielbergish kind of way. But it's it's really good. I like it, and it's plus the Fisher King is a reference to uh, the myth of uh, sort of Arthurian myth, which they they used in my favorite one of my one of my three favorite movies, Excalibur. And I'd say my th- three favorite movies are Office Space, Excalibur, and uh, The Man Who Would Be King. Like that's sort of as it stands. Uh, but and yeah, definitely watch the Fisher the Fisher King. Um, oh yeah, and also the Fisher King. Uh, it sort of says it, it it sort of has a sort of message about about. Uh, Sort of, Jeff Bridges' character sort of plays a, a, a sort of a, um, Howard Howard Stern type of character, and okay. like at the beginning. So what happens is is he's sort of going off about about yuppies, and he's 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 like basically calling yuppies subhuman, and then one of his listeners goes out and like murders, like he goes to a, a, a yuppie bar and like murders a guy. And then, <laughs> oh no, he he murder he he murders. It's kind of a it's kind of a. Uh, 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 spoiler if I go further, but definitely watch the movie. It's good. Okay. Yeah, um, I'll add it. I'll, I'll figure out where I can watch it. For sure. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, so let's wrapping up with Robin Hood here. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, let's. Oh, yeah. Uh, Prince of Okay, Pete. so. Okay, th- this fight scene is the funniest thing. Oh, yeah. Um, in the commentary, it's funny. Uh, they, so they, they're addressing how they had this. Uh, the actress for Maid Marian, they had to sort of direct her sort of to just to be the the damsel in distress you know squealing and all, all that and and costner had a sort of anecdote about one of his his movies as director where he told the actress in that in that in that movie like so what he had to communicate to the actress to say you know you have to be the damsel in distress is he he says uh th- he 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 goes to the actress and he, he's sort of talking softly and so uh this is the boy stuff <laughs> you know the, sort of saying that this is a part of the sort of the male fantasy, you know, there has to be the damsel in distress. I just think that's that's funny that that's yeah. how he communicated. This is the boy stuff. Yeah, you know? and I think you know, there's some self awareness from that, the writers of the movie. Yeah, but you know, I, I think this is you know, it's just part of it's it's part of human nature. I think boys, it it is sort of a, a, a you know a boyish uh, desire to sort of be that hero saving the damsel in distress. But I think it's a, a natural thing. I don't think it's like a an oppressive norm that's forced upon people you know no yeah i think it's uh yeah it's definitely a, a biological instinct of uh yeah yeah definitely and so this fight is that's like a, it's that's funny. why so, video games kind of scratch that itch for a lot of people like uh violent yeah. video games or, yeah, or like fantasy yeah, because fantasy video games because the thing is you don't need to literally go out and and like rescue the damsel in distress in real life but you need sort of that kind of mythology to sort of help you, th- you know, I'm going into the sort of Jordan Peterson territory. That's exactly what I was like, about to... People need that kind of, uh, that that sort of mythology of, like, to, to like, like sort of be the undercurrent of, of normal, normal, just everyday action. 
Right. Sometimes. Some people need... And it I doesn't think always look like fighting a dragon it. with a sword. It can also be like... Yeah. Uh, you know, just, you know... Yeah. Helping pay the bills is like the modern yeah. day <laughs> equivalent. That's the thing. Like, like uh, you know, the the concept of like fighting the dragon with a sword. It's, it's, it's uh, you know, I think people theorize that those these myths are created in order to just inspire just normal like you know if 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 these heroes i have can do great things then i can at least be a functioning human being right yeah it's funny you brought up jordan peterson cuz i got an alert on my phone this morning saying that he was dead that jordan peterson what? died but it was fake it was like i looked at it and i was oh. like oh. <laughs> okay yeah i wouldn't I, have been shocked I... Yeah, I wouldn't have been See, shocked I'm, I'm he a... was in bad shape all this last year yeah I'm not a big listener of Jordan Peterson, but I do like I do like his overall message. I don't know. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, I like him way better uh, than Sam so, Harris. Yeah, definitely. Uh, oh, so <laughs> there's this fight. Robin Robin Hood is fighting the sheriff of Nottingham. It's the funniest. It's like the funniest fight scene ever. They're like they're pushing stuff over on each other, jumping on tables, slamming into stuff. They're throwing stuff. They're breaking everything in their path. Like when, when, when they like when they miss when they're swinging at each other and they, and they miss. They're not cutting through stuff. It's like blunt force impact of their swords. It's like breaking statues, breaking <laughs> yeah. like railings. <laughs> yeah, like it's smash. It's like they're hit, it's like they're hitting with a hammer. Is how the yeah. set reacts. I also like we mentioned yeah. it earlier. I love how uh, what's her what's her name? Lady what? Uh, Maid Marian. Maid Marian is like. All of a sudden, forgot how to fight, and she's just standing in the corner going, ah, "Yeah, ah, ah, Robin Hood, yeah, because ah. yeah, because yeah. there's no like, there's no real indication that like it seems the sheriff of Nottingham he may not be like you know uh, classically trained in sword sword fighting. It seems he's more going on like just just like pure aggression. And then he's running around uh, throwing statues and, or tipping them over yeah, until yeah. he can get to back to his sword. Yeah, and so yeah, and and so he. He's like he, uh, Robin Hood blocks a sword strike from him, and, and the handle of his sword breaks off, which is kind of like, it's kind of realistic. This would happen sometimes, uh, realistically, and it is. I, I just think it's funny to see that uh, in this movie, and really, and, and then Robin Hood tries throwing his his uh, the hilt of his sword at the sheriff and misses, which is you know just part of the whole uh, uh, chaos of this scene. And uh, then so the sheriff finally he's beaten Robin. He has him at sword point. And then uh, Robin Hood is, is like gloating. He's about to kill. I mean, uh, the sheriff yeah, is gloating. He's about to kill yeah. Robin Hood. Uh, so um, let's. So uh, he turns to like look. He wants to look at the, the expression on Marion as he kills Robin Hood. And Robin Hood uses that distraction as like he takes out the, the knife that he got from Marion that Marion got from the sheriff to stab the sheriff. And at first, when I first saw this movie, I was like, eh, it's kind of cheap. Like, you know, doing the whole. <laughs> Uh, he's killed by his own. He's killed by his own uh, ambitions, kind of thing. Right. And, and yeah. it, at first, it felt cheap, but then I realized it's way more complex than that. Because after that, like the sheriff is stabbed, then he's like, uh, his own. His only thought is like he turns around. And he's like stumbling towards Mary, and he still wants her. And then, and then he looks down. He like he 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 looks at the dagger. He 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 like pulls it out, and then he's like holding it towards her, like. Like he's it's the old he he's he, he he's realized that that um she gave she gave the dagger to Robin Hood that he gave to her and and uh, he stabs her he's realizing it's like the ultimate rejection 
you know right it's yeah like, it's like the the ultimate like moral defeat it, yeah. it's, it's you know so it's like it's it's more than just you know the the cliche like you know it's it's reincorporation it, it actually kind of means something for the character and you can see that sort of you know he's not just defeated physically he's he's like he he's like completely morally defeated in that last moment before he dies yeah oh yeah that's a good analysis yeah he yeah it's because that is like you said the ultimate rejection to like give <laughs> give someone something and then they give it to the person that you hate because they love that person and then that person stabs you with it so it's like a full it's like yeah. a circle of life and plus thing. yeah and plus it was like it was the sheriff was like he was paying it he it's because he was paying attention to maid marion in the first place that he got stabbed because he wasn't watching robin hood as he killed him he wanted to see the look on marion's face like like see yeah. uh, I, i'm gonna i'm gonna kill him and then you'll finally have to accept me and you know yeah <laughs> i think it's a it's actually a really great scene uh so after that you get um the big wedding scene they're back at the the camp uh and and their robin hood is is getting married to Maid Marian, and and who shows up but King Richard the Lionheart, played by Sean Connery, Scottish actor Sean Connery, which is funny because of how they <laughs> portray the the Scottish in this movie. Uh, and Sean Connery was like sixty something. He was sixty years yeah. old when he he was in this. King Richard, the real life King Richard the Lionheart, died at the age of forty one. So <laughs> that that's a that's just a funny thing. I mean, just the man kind of like how the man who would be King Richard. Yes, yeah, and yes, another connection, and another connection to the man who would be king. Uh, uh, Christopher uh, Plummer plays uh, Rudyard Kipling at half, like he's meant to, the character is half the age of the actor, and so I just thought another connection, Sean Connery, like because they just they wanted Sean Connery. They had apparently they said they had an, in the commentary they said they have they originally had another actor in mind, but they're like yeah, we need someone like Sean Connery to show up at the end, and and uh, they were probably just completely they didn't yeah. Uh, King Richard the Lionheart, the real uh, figure, apparently didn't even speak English. He was French, and but he became the king of England because France was in control of the English throne at the time. Uh, and King Richard the Lionheart, he he barely spent any time during his reign in England because he was off in uh, fighting uh, the Crusades, the Third Crusade. Huh. So uh, yeah, he and and another another funny thing is he, he would realistically he's kind of the villain in the story because it's his fault that England is is in such a poor state at the time like financially like right. uh, it's his fault he wasn't there so people like uh, you know Prince John of the legend in, in this movie uh, the Sheriff of Nottingham uh, they get to take over because of that sort of absence of power, power and so the, why why didn't why you didn't uh, you know made Marion and Robin Hood sort of confront him on that in this movie because they were <laughs> just real been, happy to see him yeah, they were just real happy to see him. He's back. You know, the, everything's, it's sort of like uh, Aslan has returned, Christ has returned, yeah. that kind of thing. Right. So, um, and it, that's where credits roll, right? And then uh, everything yeah, yeah. I, uh, everything oh, another, I another sidebar about King Richard. He's one of those historical figures that, that like, modern historians are, are always trying to convince everyone he's gay, but there's, like, no, there's, <laughs> there's absolutely no evidence of that in real life. Well, there's more evidence. Oh, they, they, that, there's evidence that Dumbledore's gay. So, oh yeah, <laughs> like uh, there there are like like little things, but like like little thing people point to to say he's gay, but it's like cultural stuff at the time. So, what but, are like, you rating you know, this this movie on a scale of one to ten? Like in terms of just pure like quality as a movie, like 
six. Like, is there's so many different ways to to uh, you know to break down the quality? Like, because you can say, uh, okay, if you just look at this movie as like in a historical context, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, if you look at it as um, like just its own world where stuff is happening, there's still a lot of stuff that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's still it's still just such a great time. Yeah, uh, I en- I enjoyed just... it way more than I thought I would. So, so I like, would say like, like a me... six point five objective rating but like my subjective rating i'd probably give it like a 7.5 8 just because i went in with low expectations and like it was a great popcorn flick yeah for me like uh i mean personally like i haven't like i actually didn't take i mean uh, unfortunately i didn't really take the time to just like sit down and watch it without distractions like i was like because like when i i decided i wanted to talk about this movie when i i was like working on homework stuff and i had it on playing in the background i was sort of glancing over it uh, certain points and then and then i like i think i had it on twice while i was doing homework and then to prepare for this i just watched it uh the extended cut with the commentary on and and so like i still kind of need to go back and, and watch it without the commentary without distractions uh but yeah I, i'd say this would be in the high eights uh for me nice yeah, yeah i think uh i think it's uh i think it's like I said, way better than I expected. So there's been a couple movies like that where it's like, if I'd went in with high hopes and seen it, I probably would have not liked it that much. But since I went in with low expectations and really liked it a lot, I yeah. liked it a lot. Yeah. But you know, it's the kind of thing where where the the cheesy stuff in the movie it makes it better. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it like like if they had made everything like okay like uh, with Ridley Scott's movie and I I, I I had to remember to talk about that. Uh, like they tried to make like Ridley Scott tries to do things like really like so they look as authentic as possible. He portrays uh, um, King Richard uh, at the beginning of his movie, and King Richard in in at the be- at, in in Ridley Scott's Robin Hood, he portrays King Richard a little closer to real to real life. Uh, like he's he's sort of drunk and he's like he's uh, he's it, it it portrays his death where he's he's trying to take over a castle a castle that's actually under under his uh, reign. But he, he, they're like withholding treasure from him, so he's like, he's he has their castle under siege, and then like a, a cook or something like shoots him with an arrow. In real life, he was shot in the shoulder and died after like just over a week or under two weeks. In the movie, he gets shot in the neck and and dies uh, after after a very brief conversation with uh, with uh, Russell Crowe's Robin Hood, and. Uh, Russell Crowe in, in that character, like, they sort of draw the same, like, in the legend, I don't think there's any, I don't know if there's any indication that Robin Hood is a, is a character that fought in the Crusades, but uh, Ridley Scott, I think, took a lot of stuff from this movie and, and made it so he fought in the Crusades, but but he doesn't become become the legendary Robin Hood until after the death of King Richard. Apparently, Robin um, Ridley Scott's movie, originally, it was meant to be, like, uh, it was told not from the perspective of Robin Hood, but from the perspective of characters in Nottingham and Robin Hood is seen as a terrorist and I don't know like it was going to be like a modern day allegory like where Robin Hood is a terrorist um but I don't know if it was going to be the kind of thing where where Robin Hood is like the villain of that movie or if it's like an amoral kind of thing or if or if it's like it it, it, or if you see him as a villain at first but then but then you're won over to his side I'm not sure because that movie was never made yeah I like the idea of Robin Hood be like being portrayed as a villain 
Yeah. And like, like a lot of, uh, there's a lot of different thoughts on like, uh, you know, the ethics of Robin Hood because he steals from the rich and he gives to the poor. And, and so like a lot of probably like socialists use that as like a, a motto. And, uh, but at, but like the thing is like Robin Hood was under, it was, they didn't have a capitalist society at the time. It was feudalism. So it's like the ethics of that are totally changed by that context, I think. Right. I would and, agree. you know, under, under, you know, someone like Prince John or the Sheriff of Nottingham always portrayed as villains and very quite evil yeah and uh let's see and so yeah really scott also took uh, i think i think uh his movie I, th I think it probably the studio decided to change it to a more conventional robin hood story and uh so they had they have their friar tuck and he's a he's a beekeeper but he, he's also a drunk like the one in this movie except he's his character is pretty different uh, you know, due to the actor playing him, I think. But um, I did like that when uh, Friar Tuck and Prince of Thieves like stacked that other priest up with a bunch of treasure and pushed him out a window and said, "See you in hell" oh, yeah. or whatever he said. Yeah, and his like that was probably the most over the top part of his. Actually, every line he gives is like like the part where he's like asleep and then Azim like puts some like. Uh, sort of black powder or whatever into the fire and it, and it shoots up and then it, he wakes up and immediately says uh, truly you are a wizard yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it was like that was the weirdest thing. <laughs> yeah because it's right. like it would have taken him longer than that you would think to figure out what happened considering yeah, he was plus, just asleep plus it, it just shows that his his uh, like because azim assisted in delivering uh uh little john's child uh just Every ounce of like mistrust between uh, Friar Tuck uh, and Azim is just gone, and he's like, he he wakes up, he's startled, he's like, basically, he doesn't even know what Azim did. He's like, I, I'm pretty sure he was asleep in that scene or possibly drunk, uh, and and all he knows is like, you know, fires, uh, smoke is, extra smoke is coming from a fire, and his first response is, truly, you are a wizard. <laughs> <laughs> truly. Just, um. Yeah. Yeah, still a fun time. Uh, recommended. Yes. Woodbang. Um, okay, so last movie. Uh, <clears throat> it's got Jim Carrey. And it's called... I don't even remember. It's the number 23, right? It's not just called 23. The, the number. Yeah, it's called the number 23. Yeah. So, basically... Uh, Jim Carrey finds this book and he starts getting obsessed with this number and uh, it's just a bunch of like it's what, what would you call it a paranoia thriller yeah uh, it's he's a dog catcher old Jim Carrey is and it's all like basically all the chain of events happen because he got bit by that dog so he was home late so that wife his wife finds that book yeah oh yeah, yeah. and it's on the 23rd it's like the 23rd of february it, oh it's actually no it starts starts with the title february 3rd so it's february the second month of the the year and then it's the third of that yeah I, when, when you you uh decided to that we'd cover this movie i decided i'd, I'd like look for every instance of the number 23 in the movie yeah. and uh yeah so i was like pausing it all the time to look for those and and then yeah Actually, it starts out with a February second, and then like it, it picks up. Oh yeah, it does a flashback and shows a December twenty third, which was going to be the, uh, the day we talk about this, but then we we didn't get to it in time. We did. Yeah, we did. The first half of this podcast was recorded on the twenty third. 
So yeah, at least we did that. Yeah. Um, so I thought like, no, oh, go ahead. It's like, uh, like I was thinking like, is this a lack of subtlety? Like, do are they are we meant to like immediately be looking for that um, when we're watching it? And like, and you know, with the sort of revelations later in the movie, I wasn't sure if like if it makes sense for him to be seeing the num or or for the number to be seen before he's bit by the dog and like all the events are, are set into place. Yeah, I also well, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but yeah, um Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I only got a couple I only got a couple oh, yeah. clips so, to pull uh, the... to is an introduction. Yeah. But yeah, go ahead. Oh, I mean, wait, you had introductory clips? Well, just kind of, uh, just, the, I pulled a couple of clips kind of, because uh, in the book, uh, Fingerling meets the suicide blonde, and this kind yeah. of is a good backgrounder of, like, the psychosis that, like, the people obsessed with the number get. It's this number! This fucking number! 23. It rules my world. Everywhere! Dates! Times! License plate numbers, pages of books, even elevator floor lights. Soon I found it was in my name. It was in the words I spoke. Nothing. Nothing is safe. Pink is my favorite color. Do you know what pink is? Red, 27. White, 65. 65 is 27. 92. Pink has four letters. 92 divided by four. 20 fucking three! I'll be honest. I didn't get it. <laughs> I'd say I'd, I'd say the like the pink has four letters thing. I think that takes like that's, that's like too too many degrees of separation from you know. Right, and that's the, I, the that original. was the thing is like and when he, when Jim Carrey says at the end there he's like oh I gotta be honest I didn't get it. <laughs> that's kind of how a lot yeah. of this movie made me feel. Yeah, where it's like yeah, like it's it starts off like with a really cool concept, but then or at least a mildly cool concept. But then it like the logic kind of just falls apart pretty quick. Um, oh yeah, it's especially uh, like, like oh uh, uh, yeah, I think we should we should uh, bring up that uh, his wife like the one of the big inciting incidents is that uh, his wife is at a cake cake shop that has a there's a six six nine eight on the cake shop which obviously adds up to twenty three. Right. Uh, she she finds a book by uh, an author named top secrets yeah. which i mean you can it's a such a weird name you have to sort of look at it and see oh look, it's a yeah. top secret yeah and yeah. she she, she finds it i don't know what in the movie what drew her to the book in the movie whether she shows it to jim carrey yeah that was the biggest that was the weirdest thing for me yeah is like it's it, it seems like she intentionally like there's almost a part of it like well yeah let's let's go ahead and just go full spoiler right off the bat instead of building up to it cuz yeah it it turns out that this book was written by Jim Carrey and that he had murdered his uh lover who was also sleeping with a college professor yes yeah and he that, finds out that she's cheating on him and then he he uh it's like it's like it's well they it, the movie tries to sort of absolve him a little bit by making her like kind of a crazy person and like she's she's like she's telling him to kill her and 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 yeah. then it, it it's like 
possibly accidental, possibly as you know, a crime of passion, he does end up stabbing her. And then, and then he uh, he leaves the night. Okay, and this is a weird thing. So that her her lover, uh, he comes by the crime scene and he picks up the knife. You see him pick up. So he picks up the knife by the butt of the, the end of the knife. Yeah. And then, and then that's apparently enough because you don't see him gripping the knife, but that's still enough to to uh, get him arrested for her murder. Like they should have shown right. him actually holding holding the knife like a knife. You know, like they should have thought yeah. of doing that. But uh, so, or maybe so, maybe it was taken out in edi editing. Maybe. Yeah, probably, yeah. Who knows? <laughs> I doubt there's a director's yeah. cut of this movie. Joel Schumacher. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. One uh, one thing about this movie is it's incredibly low budget, and that's immediately apparent as soon as they start oh, yeah. going into the flashback, or as, as soon as they start yeah. going into the books, uh, like the yeah, so stories it, in the books. I but, don't know if this was made. This is probably made after Sin City, and they were kind of going for that look. But they didn't have. They didn't do the green screen thing. Yeah, they're still going for like a, a sort of. A, it has a sort. Of, oh what yeah, what else the, is the, Schumacher the style. doing? He has done Lost Boys, that vampire movie. He he did. Um, he did Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, which you That's know right. obviously like. That's Batman right. Forever kind of, I, I like Batman and Forever. It kind of works as a movie. It's the most cheesy, ridiculous thing ever, but it's still like, it's still, it still holds up as like just a fun time. Batman yeah. Forever, Batman, Batman and Robin, however, with the one with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And, and, it's pretty uh, bad. Jim, also, George, that movie's so gay. There's so many just weird yes. close-ups on Clooney's yeah. that you're like, and what? As another sidebar, he's, he's like, you know, uh, the People look at George Clooney's Batman as the, like they think that one was the first with nipples, but actually Val Kilmer had a suit with nipples on it in Batman Forever. And I have to say, I was watching I was watching the Adam West show uh, a couple weeks ago, and I noticed it, it must have been very cold in the room <laughs> because that one had nipples on it as well. Yeah. <laughs> I like the Adam West show. Yeah, it's I love great. The, 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 the movie too, where the, where it's like five minutes of Batman running around carrying a bomb over his head. And so Classic. yeah, like Joel Schumacher, I think he must have been at, at the direction of the studio. I think because I think Joel Schumacher's tends to he does like darker stuff, but with with a bit of that sort of over the, like a like sort of subtle but over the top comedy. Uh, but um, I guess he at the direction of the studio, he he had to make it more like the Adam West show. Except the thing, the difference is the Adam West show. I guess you could make a similarity because in the Adam West show, uh, Adam West, Adam West is very deadpan in his delivery, like very serious, and the, it's the same with Val Kilmer and George Clooney being very serious. Uh, although George Clooney feels like he's being, a, you know, he's more sarcastic, right, uh, in his role, uh, and while the villains are extremely over the top. And I actually thought, I actually think the Adam West show would have been like because I love Frank Gor Frank Gorshin as the Riddler, but he go he does push it like um, i think he crosses the line in, in terms of over the topness occasionally and although i burgess meredith is like is just perfect as penguin i'll say and then you got jim carrey as the riddler which brings yeah, and, us right, uh, ba right back to uh yeah, yeah. And, and, go ahead yeah. uh so uh yeah so they they do they show while he's reading the book and he's reading it very slowly apparently because it's a very very short novelette and uh and it takes him days and like weeks possibly to to get through it even though he's obsessed by it he doesn't just he doesn't you know when you're usually if yeah, you want to research it's a you page skim read it just like you know read it fast first and then do your deeper dive don't like yeah you know, and what yeah like, that's a good point because it's like he's like freaking out and uh his wife's like have you even finished reading the book 
Yeah, which is like, really no. what I should have. Because yeah, when I watched this movie, I sort of did it the same way. I was like pausing it every other second. Like the first time I watched it, cause, like I paused it to take note of February third and stuff yeah. like that. So maybe maybe I should take my own advice with this. <laughs> well, uh, but yeah. So his uh, wife oh, yeah. finds the book and gives it to him, but if he wrote the book the whole time, and I I can't remember. It it kind of seems like it's it's implied in the movie that his wife didn't know that that was his book. Yeah. In the beginning, yeah, which makes it, which make, it was hard yes. to believe unless there are no coincidences. Yeah, but it, it sort of, it, it does, uh, so I think, so the movie relies solely on, on coincidences, but like it sort of marks a lot of these coincidences with 23s. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's like, it, it's, and, and, well, it's also, it's so coincidental that, I mean, okay, coincidences are fine in a movie where it's like, like, I mean, in Final Destination, when a coincidence happens, it's like, it's like, fine. But like Final Destination breaks its own rules when when the character, uh, so like some like his bathtub breaks and it, like water leaks all over the floor and then he slips in the water and then something wraps around his neck and then he dies and then after that the water seeps back into that hole which which never something like that never happens in any of the any of the other death scenes right. in those movies so it's like why why did they do it there and so I think this movie does kind of the same thing where it does something that's like too coincidental like like you know. Like where um his his like I think that where one of the places where it crosses the line is when they find the body of the woman that that uh that Jim Carrey had had killed but had forgotten about because of the twenty three steps he's talking about uh his it turns out his wife moved that lady's <laughs> skeleton yeah. so that the police wouldn't find it so so that he why... wouldn't so that also because See, he she she wanted to do it to protect him apparently. But really, and so that he wouldn't find the truth or whatever about it about yeah. himself. But like, really, like it yeah. just—it seems like all you're like gonna that's... do is make him go more crazy. Like, even yeah, if she'd like have that's... gotten away with it, she would have just made him because he knows she knows he saw the skeleton. She knows he saw the skeleton. Yeah, he so, knows he's and yeah. the kid knows he saw the skeleton. So all that would do is make Jim Carrey feel more insane if yeah, she so, were. Plus, yeah. Plus, it's just the idea of a normal person like. Like they find out, like if like you find out a relative of yours is like uncovering uh, a murder, and then you decide to like, well, they're too obsessed. They they need to stop this. So you go and you you move someone's remains. <laughs> yeah. Like that, that that's such so out. It feels so out of character that it, it. I don't think you can just chalk it up to to like. Well, she well maybe she was the events. Her she was cursed by the number twenty three, and she just doesn't know it. So she's acting out of character. I think that oh, I think that sort of. I think it, it would be more believable, even though it's not explicitly spelled out in the movie one way or the other, that she is, like, sadistic and she actually knew that was his yeah. book when she recommended yeah, it. Yeah, and, like, that, that's that's why it makes sense for, for Jim, like, because you're supposed to see Jim Carrey as, as being... Uh, irrational when he when he threatens her with a knife and, and he's like and he's like well you're you're behind you were behind this all along it was you and but it's but like she was based on the it. based on the circumstances you can you can kind of yeah you can see why he would think that she was she was uh, the one behind everything because the you know everything she gave him the book she gave him the book she moved she the moved skeleton. the body <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh so, yeah, so this is this is kind of there, there should have been a little flashback of her like putting the bones into a bag, like 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 and just trying to see like oh did I leave any little bones behind? Like did I miss a tooth or something? <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, this movie for me, that's why I picked it as a wild card because I still don't really know if I like it or not. 
I thought Jim Carrey's yeah. acting was really good in it compared to oh. like most of the stuff he does. Yeah. Um, I I personally still have trouble like like sort of divorce like because like a lot of comedy actors when they do serious roles like I, they still sound like sort of sarcastic and like like in like when Jack Black that when Jack Black did that movie Bernie and he's playing like this southern uh, uh, like music music minister and and he he's like I thought he's that singing movie was hymns. funny though. The thing is, he's he's singing hymns and like in the special features. People are saying, "Well, he has such a great voice," is it like, but it doesn't feel like he's playing a character. It feels like he's just being uh, being Jack Black, ironically playing <laughs> uh, this character in this right. sort of messed up emotional story. Yeah, I don't know. I I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of. Uh, was it Steven? It wasn't Steven Soderbergh. It was Richard Linklater, I think, who did that movie. I get those two confused a lot. I like um, Linklater's. Uh, I like Waking yeah. Life and. Yeah. I mean, Scanner he's good, Darkly. but you've yeah. seen Scanner just, Darkly, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, like I, I think, I, like, I think Richard Linklater's, a, you know, he's a serious filmmaker. I, his stuff just doesn't really vibe with me uh, very much. But um, so back to uh, so yeah, Jim Carrey. This is early on when he's like starting to see similarities between his life and the book's life. I don't know. Could yes. you already kind of see where this was going, like early on in the movie? Uh, I, I don't think I necessarily predicted that he would well it's one of those things where it's too it's too much of a cliche and too much of a trope they think no they definitely wouldn't do they wouldn't go there where he's the killer the whole the whole time like because that's a, because when 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 you have a, a something like that like uh like like how old is the is the book uh, like Murder on the Orient, Orient Express where they do this sort of meta thing where instead of doing a normal a normal uh, murder mystery it turns out that every single suspect on the on the train is actually complicit directly complicit in killing like each of them put the knife into the you know the 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 murder victim uh like yeah. like doing doing something that's like instead of just doing a normal standard murder mystery doing something that's sort of meta you, you kind of you you see those and then and then you sort of just expect that that's going to happen the next time you see a murder mystery and then so so sometimes you think well they wouldn't do the most obvious thing which is like i think it was already kind of a trope to have uh it have it turn out that the the main character in the psychological thriller thriller is the killer and he just has amnesia uh there's a movie called uh the mechanist with christian bale it's yeah. famous for having christian like a really skinny christian bale Mm -hmm. And it, it turns out the whole like he's like seeing like hallucinations and stuff like that. It turns out like the whole thing is like PTSD from when he when he uh, was like was like driving drunk and he hit a, he hit a child. Uh, sorry for and he's, spoilers. He's like wiped, he's like wiped yeah. it out from his yeah memory. Yeah, his memory. Yeah, he probably like drunk himself into like memory loss. And, and like, I think that was also that may have also been part of the uh backstory in memento that he had guilt for something and he he like drunk himself into having a short-term memory loss or similar kind of undercurrent in memento and and uh 23 i don't want to give spoilers for memento because it's you know it's worthwhile it's worth watching i would recommend um but all the movies that the six movies we're here to talk about we're spoiling totally so yes um, yes uh, so i so <laughs> i uh i have a a background uh, what, what is happening now i should never have stopped the recording now it's just messing up uh, that's nice that's a good one yeah all right well yeah. oh well um, yeah i made notes of like every instance of the number 20 of the actually seeing the number 23 or uh numbers uh 
adding up to 23. Uh, but they, it kind of felt irrelevant after, like, late in the movie where you're just, you're just seeing it all over the place. It's almost comedic, like, where those two kids, like, soccer player kids are running by <laughs> yeah. each other and then you see yeah. the 23 line up. And it, yeah. does, it does it, like, twice. Like, plus, that feels like, it also feels kind of removed from, like, I guess it, it illustrates the main character's obsession. But the thing is, the character is right to be obsessed by this because it, it's cartoonish. Like how every single number in existence there is twenty three. <laughs> twenty three. <laughs> and like I watched this movie and I like I was looking for twenty three in this movie the whole time, but like it didn't follow me into real life. Like I didn't start seeing the number twenty three. Uh, yeah. Well, it's ten thirty two right now. Yeah. Thirty two reversed is twenty three. Ah. Oh. Oh yes, yeah, three, three, yeah. They they keep doing that three and two reversed, but that's I th I feel like that's another thing where it's like just the cheap. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's it just feels a lot of it feels like I mean it's like it's like I think I feel like you can make a point better if like with fewer you know smaller evidence or like with like leaving out like if you leave out the cheap stuff it it, it bolsters your argument I think. Yeah. Well, I have. Uh... Uh... I have a clip of the onset of Jim Carrey kind of starting to freak out a little bit. It's this number. Oh, wait. This... <laughs> I've set that up and ruined it. I have a clip of Jim Carrey starting to, like, when he's finally starting to kind of lose it a little bit, and his wife's just, like, treating him like a baby. Walter Sparrow doesn't work. But if I use Got the my middle name, Walter 51197. Isn't that amazing? What? It's all 23. My birthday, 23. Driver's license, social security number, everything. I was born at 11, 12 p.m. 11 plus 12. It's like it's imitating my life. You've concerned yourself with minutia and you've drawn wild conclusions from them. I'm sorry, honey. Why this color? Why did you choose this color? I don't know, you tell me. Red number five. R.E.D. is 27, plus 5 is 32, which is? You're reaching now. <laughs> sure, there are differences. Fingerling's a detective. I'm a dog catcher. He met Fabrizio when he was 32, whereas I met you when I was? 23. And the day we met was? September 14th. 914. 14 plus 9 is? 23. We married October 13th. 1013. 23. Suicide Blonde said it ruled her world. She killed because of it. Then she handed it on to Fingerling on his 32nd birthday, 23 reversed. Fingerling called it fate. Do you know what fate is? 32. I rest my case, Your Honor. Honey, I think you're taking this wait, wait, too wait, seriously. Wait, wait, wait. We live at 1814. I mean, 18 is 1 plus 8, which equals 9. And 9 plus 14 is also 23. 14 is 1 plus 4, which equals 5. And 5 plus 18 is 23, too. Oh, my God. All right, Robin, please, don't you start this nonsense. <laughs> this is not nonsense. I, I mean, 5 plus That's 18 uh, Logan is Lerman. 23. That's who plays the kid? Yeah, Logan Lerman, he, who was in... Uh, he, he was in all these... Like, he was never in a movie I liked. He was always in movies that I, I was just either disappointed by or just hated. Like, 310 to Yuma, he plays Christian Bale's son. And uh, he was in Percy Jackson and the Olympians, which is one, just one of the worst. Like, it was directed by the same director who did Chris, Chris Columbus, who did the first two Harry Potter movies. But it's like, mm -hmm. it's like, it's like they're trying to do Harry Potter. Like, you know how Harry Potter 
for what you can say about Harry Potter, it has a timeless sort of quality to it. Percy Jackson tried to imitate Harry Potter, but did it in like just like pop culture references, stuff like pop, yeah. modern pop music. It, it was the worst thing ever. Like, and I think one of his like one of his friends like has has like has a sexual relationship with like Persephone and like they're supposed to be like teenagers. Like it's so weird. It's so weird. <laughs> that Peter, Wasn't like, there a movie yeah, with per- Jay Barishaw and Nicolas Cage where he's like training Jay to be yeah. a wizard and Nicolas Cage was, is like the old wizard? That that was the the Magician's Apprentice, which was meant to be you know how Disney is like taking all of their old stuff, like like theme park stuff and making movies about it. That was actually a a bit from Fantasia. The, the one with Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse mm, has a yeah. wizard. So basically, and this is weird because, so this is basically the one like live, like Jay Baruchel, and, like this wasn't made, they didn't seem to make a big deal about this, but basically Jay Baruchel is, is playing a human version of a, a live action Mickey Mouse. <laughs> so it's like, that, shouldn't that, shouldn't they have made it that, like, shouldn't they have made like a big deal about that? Like, this is the Mickey Mouse. Like, and then Nicholas, <laughs> Nicholas Cage. I didn't even realize yeah. it was a Disney movie. I never saw it, but I, I just yeah. remember like Jay Bearshaw, especially his character. That's like the hipster. He plays himself in uh, "This Is the End," where they're all yeah. locked up in the house. Which I like that movie a lot. But yeah, uh, Jay Bearshaw is like this movie snob, and he's like says horrendous. He's like, "I bet you like movies that are universally loved." And he's like, "What do you think about Forrest Gump?" And Jay Bearshaw's like, "It's a horrendous piece of shit." <laughs> Oh, yeah. and, yet he did, and I know that's exactly how he is in real life too so it's like you mm-hmm. just like this guy that like hates all these movies ends up being in movies like that it's hilarious to me oh yeah oops yeah all right um, um but I did like uh I... is one plus four which equals five and five plus 18 is 23 too oh my god <laughs> like Jim Carrey oh my yeah. god yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh yeah oh my god yeah, you know, and He's I was like, I was thinking about like, uh, oh, what were you just gonna say? Yeah, uh, just just like a bunch of random, like that was like such a stretch or such a reach to go like, and that's the numbers you add the numbers and then you divide them in half and that's twenty three two and then Jim Carrey yeah. goes, oh my god, yeah, that so was I'll, the moment when the movie kind of like made it feel like Jim Carrey was just retarded. Oh, and and like yes, but then it's like yeah, there are like all these coincidences that of like seeing the number 23 where it's like he has to be obsessed with the number 23 or at least interested like you know because because it is showing up in all these like weird occurrences in his life but Mm -hmm. um uh but then um let's see oh yeah i was thinking about uh like mathematical patterns that that exist in real life um and I, I think there was a video by Vsauce about the Pareto distri- distribution, which right, I, I meant to. I yeah, I meant to watch that in pre- preparation for this. Uh, they kind of stopped making the content. I I really liked all, all their videos a few years ago. Like it was like must have been like six years ago that they were like active. But then they they did the YouTube Red thing, and it was really dumb. Like they the, there was like a season one that was really good, and then season two was like the quality. Like they they ran out of interesting things to make episodes about real mm-hmm. fast uh but yeah there was a they did a video on the pareto distribution which is like a real like uh sort of distribution pattern that you see in nature and in, in all kinds of hierarchies and uh also like the the golden ratio that's another thing right. that's um ears yeah, so, seashells 
you know, so I'm if people of, are yeah thinking of a different thing like, what's it called it's a, sort of a spiral fibonacci pattern. sequence yeah i'm not i can't remember like all the there's the golden mean or the golden ratio uh, i'm not sure what the fibonacci what, what is the fibonacci sequence i think that's the one that it's like in galaxies and it's like this perfect like spiral pattern that's in like yeah. a seashell a human ear um yeah and it's like down to the exact it's like an exact recognizable pattern that's all over yeah. in nature and so yeah i wonder if that's sort of a thing that sort of leads people to think that there's like there is like some basic uh particle that you know causes things to be in in, in uh like sort of have repeating patterns I don't know, you know, like a, like a, you know, a subatomic particles that, that, or, you know, you know, obviously we represent molecular structures with like you know, all these, uh, uh, um, sort of exact pattern, like, you know, crystals form in like, in like, uh, they're not perfect, but you know, they're like all geometric shapes and stuff like that. That snowflakes, man. I mean, it just snowed like yeah. crazy yesterday, and like snowflakes, snowflakes are each one yeah. supposedly is non-identical, but they all are like perfectly, like geometrically, like uh, consistent and yeah. really crazy. Yeah, it it is weird though to look at like crystals that that are that look like. I mean, oh yeah, uh, I I like you know like uh, I I looked at it, I saw like uh you know like you can sharpen medieval sword like like uh, I saw a. a a, sh a photo of what uh like a extremely sharpened medieval sword looks like and like a very close like a extreme close-up of the edge of the blade and it's like all these jagged crystalline edges huh like look and and like that's sort of why like you can't that's what a sharpen super a, sharp uh sword looks like well actually close. actually i think any edge really but like the edge would it would be like i mean you'd see a more like defined jagged edge on a i don't know uh Anyway, that's like you don't sharpen swords too much, or else you'll you'll chip off the edges. But I don't know. I just I just think that's interesting. All these, you know, just patterns in nature, and and but the yeah. but the, you know it just shows it just like with all like the stuff like the two kids running past each other, that kind of thing is what makes it like too. It, that one is like clearly just a stupid coincidence. Yeah, it, well, it's yeah. It, I think it's hard to tell what is like representative of yeah. like Jim Carrey's psychosis in the movie and what is actually um a legitimate like yeah uh, but yeah I got I got so, the I did the last clip I pulled was just the the um what, what's the name of the guy that plays the professor that that Jim Carrey starts uh, thinking he's like oh that was the guy with his wife that guy played King Richard the Lionheart which I was talking about earlier in Ridley Scott's uh Robin Hood movie I believe it's that actor I uh He's in a bunch of stuff, but I never remember his name. But yeah, um, so this is him explaining to Jim Carrey, uh, like part of the twenty-three phenomenon, which is in this is pretty early in the movie, or at least like it, the first half of it at least, and really like this pretty much explains everything that like. But Jim Carrey ignores that advice, which he should have taken, and he just keeps freaking out and obsessing over. It. Oh yeah, it's the number. I'm seeing it everywhere. Well, a conspiracy bus would say, of course. After all, the world spins on an axis of 23 degrees. When you tell them it's actually 23.5, they say five is simply two plus three. 23 is <laughs> very good at this particular game. Game? Yeah. Paranoia. 
There's a fair bit of literature on the 23 Enigma. There is. There are 23 axioms to Euclid's geometry. The human body consists of 46 chromosomes, 23 from each parent. Blood takes 23 seconds to circulate. The Mayans believe the end of the world would occur December 12, 2012. 20 plus 12 is? 23 reversed. Or 20 plus 1 plus 2. So what is this? What is 23? Is it... God? 2 divided by 3. Point 666. 666. Number the devil. There are only 22 chapters in the book of Revelations. We all know how that ends. So is 23 a blessing or a curse? Well, what's true is that there's a select group of people that take delight in perpetuating the numbers infamy. Uh, lucky seven, unlucky 13, ball players, lucky shoes. People only pray because they believe that God will help them if they do. This is magical thinking, non-scientific causal reasoning. Uh, you're looking for 23, so you're finding it. I, I love that line uh, where Jim Carrey says, is 23 a, a blessing or a curse? <laughs> it's just like, it's, that, that, that thought, that kind of thought is like, it's just funny. Yeah. No, I like, uh, I like his thinking, like, is it God? And then he just ruins it by going, is it a blessing or a curse? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, divide, so, two divided yeah. by three, six, six, six. So when Jim Carrey finds out that that uh, he's the one who who murdered the young woman and then and then threw himself out of window out of a window out of shame and and then he gets brain damage and gets in, and uh, gets rehabilitated and the the um a doctor is like like one of the doctors has this book that he wrote and then the other doctors is, or no it was like it was just notes that the guy, that he wrote like that they have like it it was like just a stack of like like a i guess a script that that uh um or a draft that that um Jim Carrey wrote and then one of the doctors asks like oh can i have that and then publishes it himself under the pseudonym tops top secrets and yeah uh, and what, what was weird is the doctor getting obsessed with 23 and writing it all over the walls and on his arms too yeah and that Oh yeah, like that, and and then uh, when they when Jim Carrey and his wife find him, and then she, uh, she goes to him. She like you know she says, "Hey, I'm a nurse. So let me handle this." And then Jim Carrey goes off, and then she goes to the doctor, and then and then he tells her like an address to go to, and then she goes there herself, and then sees all the all all the scribblings and stuff. I think, and then mm -hmm. keeps it a secret from Jim Carrey. That's how she finds out what what Jim Carrey like sort of the depths of this obsession and then she decides to hide those bones and i guess <laughs> yeah I don't, uh, so because hey, it's christmas day and we got stuff to do we can wrap this up but um oh actually i did get this i did get one more this good iso from it well it sounds like a fascinating read of course there exists far too few books where the main character plays a saxophone <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why i thought that oh, was yeah. so funny yeah, that's good. Uh, but there's far too books for the main character. Far too few books for the main character yeah. plays a saxophone. Yeah. So the I one know, thing I, I did, I, I oh, go ahead. 
Yeah, what I did like in this movie is the, uh, the character, like, you know, he's a good-hearted character. He decide, when, he, when he finds out, he decides, oh, oh yeah, there's this guy who's been in prison because of a lie, uh, or not a lie so much, but like a, a weird uh, coincidental sequence of events that led to uh, uh, the, the guy being uh, accidentally framed. I think it was like, he didn't like intentionally frame the guy. It was like purely coincidence that he like picks up the knife Anyway, mm -hmm. so the guy goes to jail, goes to prison for decades, or not, maybe not decades, I don't know. Then, so Jim Carrey decides to do the right thing and, and uh, turn himself in to absolve the, the guy who's in prison for the murder. And so, you know, that's nice that he's he's in prison, but he's he's sort of happier now that he's, he's uh, you know, he, he thinks he, he can get better. And then the end, it's it just feels like a, a horror movie cliche that the villain has to show up in the last second of the movie again, once you think the main character's safe, the villain shows up again. He's he's like Wait, he's who there. Who's the villain? The number twenty-three. Oh, okay. He sees it. He sees like one hand of the clock is pointed to two, and the other hand is pointed to three. And so it's Which like isn't it's even like, really a twenty-three. Yeah, so it's just a foreboding. Like he's still seeing the number twenty-three, despite you know his optimism at hoping to get better. Yeah. I, so in, I don't know, after watch, I hadn't seen it in a while. So after watching it again in preparation for this, I like it's the movie doesn't, there's a lot wrong with it to where it's like, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but at the same time, there's a lot of me that still like wants to like this movie. So I'm going to give it a solid five out of mm. 10, not out of five, right. five out of 10. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, the movie didn't really, uh, you know, it didn't. It, it, this movie doesn't appeal to me as much. Uh, like, uh, it's not. It's not that good of a movie. I, I just couldn't. Figure I kind out of whether it... <laughs> like. It's one of those movies where I just kind of agree with the Rotten Tomatoes score. I watched a movie that I didn't agree with the score. Oh yeah, like uh, I watched What's the Rotten Tomatoes score on on twenty three. It's twenty three. No, it's it's. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, that would be awesome. Number. You know, it, it's not that high. <laughs> is it really? Rotten is it below 23? Okay. I'm looking it up on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, let's see. Just a second. It is 8. <laughs> 8%? Which I'm sure you could you could manufacture some equation where that equals 23. What's the... 8%. Yeah. There's 190... What's the, what's the, the critic reviews is 8% or the user yeah. reviews? The user, the audience reviews are 56% out of 485,000. Okay. Well, that's not yeah. bad. That's not as bad as 8 yeah, the audience so, liked it. Uh, yeah, but but I don't know what the uh, let's see the details. Let's see the average rating was three point five seven for the critics. Out of ten. Out of ten, yes. Well, that's a little lower than mine. I get I give it a five, even five, even Stephen five. I kind of just this is one of those cases where I kind of agree with the critics' rating. There was one where I didn't <laughs> where I didn't agree. That's, that's brutal. Uh, let's see. Let's see. So wait. I recently watched Escape from L.A. and I I actually really liked it. I'm gonna the see what that score. It. Let's see Escape from L.A. Escape from oh, whoops okay yeah they gave it actually okay not hated not it's it has a 53 percent on Rotten Tomatoes which is like yeah it's it's fair I guess audience score is 39 percent. Can we wrap up on you uh, reading yeah. a couple of the. The re critic reviews for uh, 
or Rotten Tomatoes for 23. Oh, okay, I gotta go back. Oh, whoops. I, can I gotta go up. back. Uh, okay, wait. The number 23. I'm curious now. Okay, we got um, Tom Charity. His his quote here is, For all its gimmicky numerology, the number 23 just doesn't add up. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a decently that's a true review. It doesn't add up. It's yeah. yeah. Uh, this thriller's biggest mistake is its belief that it's as clever and original as it's as it is visually stylish. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I thought the, the the funny the the uh, the like emo the dark emo like Jim Carrey was kind of funny with the tattoos on his back and this, it's it, no that, that's longer the, thri- the story it's no within a story even thrilling. Or even campy, it's just embarrassing. Damn. <laughs> uh, nothing to decipher here, one of them says. <laughs> Takes um, a decent premise and turns yeah. it into utter yeah, like, trash. I was trying to look for like patterns in the movie. Like I looked for like uh, the part like I so I wanted to see what happens exactly at the uh, twenty-three minute mark on the time code of the movie, and it's I think I believe it's the part where he he sees the shadow. Uh, the shadow. I think it was the part where he's the shadow holding the knife, or it was just no. I think it was just where he sees he's in bed with his wife and he sees the shadow uh, form on the wall. And I don't. I don't know. I, I. It doesn't seem you know like enough that it was an intentional uh, thing to have that be at the twenty-three minute mark. Oops. Man, Jim Carrey oh. at his worst. <laughs> These critics. <laughs> These critics are brutal. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> here we go. Uh, there are some pretty positive reviews from the users. Well, crafted there's something to thriller. Th- critics said there's something to this 23 stuff, and a film about the obsession with random number connections would be fascinating. But no. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think the the thing is, this movie kind of mixes. It, it feels kind of confused in the end, where where you don't know if it's about a guy's, uh, like like it would be good to see a movie that's ab- about somebody's um, obs- like irrational obsession with something, uh, and then they could they could make it like at the very 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 last moment, like make it like oh maybe there's something to it all along, like that would have been that could have been like uh, have you seen Take Shelter? Uh, with Michael Shannon. Wait, maybe I. With who? Michael Shannon. Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay, it's like it. Uh, I would like to spoil that movie real quick because it's a movie about a guy who who he's been having dreams. He he has dreams of like uh, sort of uh, yellowish, oily substance raining from the skies, and then some sort of apocalyptic event. And he he thinks he believes he has to build a shelter in order to to save his family from this event. And he's sort of going crazy, and 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 uh, it's destroying all of his, his relationship with his family, with his wife, with all the people in that town. He's like a construction worker. He's like, and so he 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 builds this this uh, shelter, and yeah, everyone is sort of like you know they're sort of growing distant, like they see him as a crazy person, and and you and you think it's just a movie about in a guy who's irrationally obsessed, and then at the very end the event happens like it begins to happen and the music is like really cool and it's raining and then they get into the shelter and then the movie ends and it's like the movie was kind of boring actually up until that point but the, i loved that ending like because it was just well done enough that it kind of made it worthwhile but this movie like the thing is i think the movie mixes like 
just totally coincidental number 23 like connection like stuff where it doesn't even make sense to try to make a connection with a number 23 and then all the stuff where you have to make a connection with a number 23 and it, it kind of ends up feeling like i don't know maybe the, the movie needed it, to be it was almost focused. like two separate they tried to they tried to um really intertwine two totally separate plots which is one the murder mystery and then this the number obsession, obsession yeah. plot but it's like those it never it was yeah. never it was it never manifest or was made clear at all how those two things yeah. are in any way connected at all yeah and plus yeah they they needed to be like a broader like a much bigger thing that made like like something that you know just paints the number 23 on that that sort of story within a story murder mystery thing like there needed to be something that made it like this is the, the story you would associate with the number 23 like not just a story that happens to have like characters obsessed with the number 23 i don't know like they, they could have like it's numerology they could have done something really like way more clever with this i think unless there's something that we actually are all missing and there's some sort of underlying thing that i don't know anyway that's why that's why i was looking at like time codes when i was watching the movie but i didn't i didn't see anything like really interesting in terms of that yeah yeah it was uh it was a confusing movie that i liked a few parts of um what do you what'd you say you're rating it a, a one out of ten <laughs> uh eh, three out of ten well that, two. that's better <laughs> than eight percent out of a hundred <laughs> well no they the critics didn't give it an eight percent they gave it a three point five like three and a half out of ten like the eight percent is eight oh. percent of them are above like eight percent of them are above Five percent. Like, I mean, so I mean, eight percent of them are above like five out of ten. Gotcha. That's how Rotten Tomatoes right. does it. Yeah. Oh, Rotten Tomatoes. Well, I think uh, yeah. I think we covered a lot of ground here. We did some very important work. Yeah. We oh yeah. Hit hit five hours on this thing, so I'll probably have to split it up into two parts to even get it uploaded. But John, man, you have a Merry Christmas again, and oh, yeah. I'll talk to you soon. Give the family my love. Yep. And Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Bye now. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby.
Because we went to her house Christmas Eve You can say there's no such thing as COVID But as for me and Fauci, we believe She'd been shopping on essential And she didn't wear a mask She said she didn't want that vaccine It's our fault for not putting her on blast but we still shamed her at her funeral For her unnecessary death I'm sure the gunshots didn't help much We shot her Christmas Eve before we left Grandma got run over by Corona Because we went to her house Christmas Eve You can say there's no such thing as COVID but as for me and Fauci, we believe. Call off Christmas.